0: All right, well, uh, welcome back aboard the Starship, Texas, for the 180th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new and proud members of the TrekSphere network. I'm Starfleet Boy. This is Dave. This is Brian. And this is Trek.
1: Engage.
2: Like, I know everybody does.
0: Everyone does. I do it. If you ever hear the Audacity file, the raw files that I send Fathery, a lot of times I'm whistling and hooting and hollering. It's a, it's a really good. It's a really we need good, an
2: outtakes episode.
0: <laughs> we, do, we definitely do. I got to say a little shout out to Fathery. I don't know if you're listening to this. I hear the bandwidth's uh, really, you know, that subspace uh, signal, t- it doesn't quite make it to the the gamma quadrant or wherever you are, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I got to give him credit. Like it took, a, 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 and you guys like it took us three people to, and we're not even gonna have images. Sorry guys. Maybe I'll pull a Paramount plus and, and like show like random Im- images, but follow, Me really does put a lot of work into the show. So if y'all come here and en- enjoy it, please consider subscribing. Hit the Definitely subscribe so. button. Yeah. And
2: speaking of which I'm happy to see, we've got some regulars out in our audience uh, yeah. already. Um, Ready to talk about discovery? I'm sure uh, maybe especially hyped to talk about Picard. It is a um, it's going to be a big week because we're hitting up two live action shows. It's is that is that a first first for text track? We've done we've done like animated and live, but oh, okay, I mean, okay. obviously you guys reviewed multiple episodes of Deep Space Nine in a single oh, yeah. sitting. yeah, but... yeah. No, I'm talking about like the of the fresh stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh.
0: I feel like yeah, this might be. Well, I don't know. I can't say honestly, like Follier just pulls them out like on text track number 200. And... Well, we're not there oh, yeah. yet, but like 57, <laughs> 47 <laughs> like... He knows them like a,
3: like a Ferengi knows the rules of acquisition. <laughs> it's
0: true. It's true. So we're going to talk about disco first tonight and then we're going to talk about Picard. So if you all in the audience there uh, just to know what order we're going to go in, that's the that's the order. Um, so I guess we should, uh, we should get cracking. Uh, Brian, uh, did the notes. Thank you so much. Very lovely. Don't um, thank
3: me. You haven't seen them yet. They're <laughs> um, cr- yeah, I they are like... literally first draft <laughs> made up. As I watched the episode, not nothing. Check spell checked, or reread. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on. So, well, we'll do our best, you know, again, I think the audience will forgive us tonight. If we're not at the, at the, you know, the full text check experience. That's right. After all, I am the Florida man host helping to host the, Right, so. And
2: let's remember some trek episodes with like uh uh uh, uh what is it, uh Jellico or Matt Decker, uh, or Evil Kirk taking over. These are exciting episodes. <laughs> it's, it's, yes, yes. it's fun stuff. It's great to see how well the how much the new guy's gonna screw things
3: up.
0: <laughs> so uh, tonight's episode sounded of Sounded Dis- better in my head. <laughs> so tonight's episode of Disco called Rosetta was written by Uh, Terry Hughes-Burton, and directed by Jeff Bird, and Jen McGowan. This is the second time I think Disco has, has had a pair of directors Uh, during an episode. I haven't seen that much in Star Trek. So uh, while Captain Burnham leads an away mission to a planet that was once home to the aliens responsible for the DMA, Book and Tarka secretly infiltrate the USS Discovery. That's the summary. So Dave, you want to give us a few thoughts about uh, this episode? So um,
2: I I had to like sort of watch in haste this week and I don't have uh, sort of detailed notes. And and so I'm going to keep this relatively brief. Uh, I feel like the the, the big plot we had uh, sort of there their visit to the planet is going to be sort of a plot and then the uh, i'm going to call it the metal gear solid uh, infiltration of disco um by uh, what uh, book and tarka it was sort of the main b plot with a lot of little sides um i was a little a little bored by the uh, by the a plot. Uh, it, it you know we've we talked about this sort of feeling of dragging your feet a little bit uh, as they get you know. Well, I want to see the aliens. I want to see the aliens, um, and I want to find out if they get stranded their Gilligan style. Um, <laughs> and um, I actually was having more fun with their snooping around and all the little character moments and getting to see uh, uh, what's um, God. Uh, why, why can't I say the name? The comedian Jet.
0: Oh, uh, uh Tig Notaro.
2: Tig Notaro's character is Jet Reno? Yes. Yes. I uh, loved, loved seeing her again. Um, and uh, just uh, generally uh, the, the infiltration stuff and the – I, I kind of thought that Book was – I thought that he and Burnham were going to maybe be sort of reunited or he and the Discovery. But I'm pleased to – I guess – If they're going to have him go off in this direction that I've always had a little bit of trouble buying where he's just like, I am going to blow up, potentially blow up this alien that I know nothing about. Never quite felt right for a guy who's so connected to life. Um, But if they're going to do it, I kind of, this is a more interesting follow through of it to me than the actual attempt to blow it up part. Um, The stuff down on the planet was a little, I thought, a little prosaic. Um, uh, It's an interesting enough way to find things out. But I, I, I guess I was like, if after all the wait, I want something to kind of impact me sort of the way the, uh, what do you call it? The prophets? What's the other name for them in DS nine wormhole
0: aliens. Yeah. Uh, the, no, the, pro- yeah, the prophets. Yeah. I guess they say the wormhole aliens, Yeah.
2: whatever. In, in the first episode of DS nine, there's some, there's some big sci-fi ideas and, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to wrap your head around those. Uh, and I, I think I would have liked a little bit more of that. Um, But, uh, you know, finding their, their alien nursery was still pretty interesting. Uh, Anyway, I don't have like I don't have deep thoughts. I'm going to let myself uh, let the clarity come out as we discuss the episode.
0: Right on. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Um, I I, I love
3: Discovery. Uh, It's my favorite of the new Treks. And this gave me, you know, a significant noticeable amount of what I like about the show. Um, There was some some cool exploration and uh, both of the external world and of the internal world of the characters that are involved. Um, there were some fun character moments uh, and there was a, a, a sense of adventure about the whole thing and uh, uh, that, 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 that exploring and adventuring is fun. Um, so, yeah, I, yes, uh, they it kind of felt like they wrote the script and then realized it was a little sparse and tried to punch it up by adding a lot more character moments that weren't necessarily as Organic as they could be to the story, um, to the point where somebody actually, I, I, one of the characters even apologizes for bringing up
2: their character stuff in the I middle of the plot. But I didn't <laughs> notice, Brian. What's the what's? Did anybody know what the runtime on the episode was?
0: It's close to an hour. It's like in the fifty. I'm, I think this one was in the 50 or like that, yeah.
2: for a while now. I've been saying like if they could shave off like ten minutes or so an episode, I feel like some of their outro kind of character resolutions when I feel like the main plot is over do feel a little draggy at times. So yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, just just real quick. Uh, so Hale, if you could shine a light on my little Magellan's uh, quote about the resolution or post about the resolution of the conflict, <laughs> I, uh, I we too, yeah. we have to bounce that up there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going I'm to go ahead and read this for the uh, for the listening audience. Uh, my little Magellan writes, if the rel- resolution of the conflict with 10C is we shared our feelings with magic space dust, I will throw my TV out the window. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, Brian. Continue with your thoughts.
3: Um, I mean, I'm mean, i not sure I'd be so bad with that ending, but I, I wouldn't throw so my TV. Certainly not worth destroying that. My Trek, biggest, uh, TV, we're going to.
2: There's in the next episode or in, in when we talk about Picard, there's smoking on the bridge. There's alcoholics on the bridge uh, and there's space dust in this. It's a new era of Trek substance abuse. Yes, oh yes.
0: It took a while,
2: but the 60s finally reached Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying uh, to
4: I'm
0: trying um, to see there's there's like guys, there's. There's like an anomaly. Hold on. What's this? What's going on here? Uh, There's like some kind of anomaly. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Let me see if I can figure this out. Hey,
4: y'all. So, Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode of Business 11. Yeah, 11, Rosetta. We're continuing with that DMA story. We get to see a lot of cool stuff with Detmer and the away mission, I suppose. I'm actually not that invested in the storyline at this point, Uh, but... I did enjoy the look of the planet. All those visuals are really cool. And those character moments got great stuff from Reno. Got some great stuff with Adira, who I'm a big fan of. So yeah, Star Trek Discovery continues to be a show that, for me personally, does character better than story. And I'm, I'm kind of just overwhelmed with Picard excitement at the time. But I'll say this. I got to watch that on the Star Trek cruise in the same room as both Wilson Cruz and Emily Coots. So I was basically sitting next to Dr. Colbert and... Lieutenant, or I'm sorry, Commander Detmer, on an episode that really centered on them as part of the away team. So that was a really cool, unique experience that I will always cherish. But yeah, Discovery uh, continues to be a case of character over story for me. But we'll see how they wrap this thing up. All right, t- <laughs> nice.
2: All right, well, that we've was got to destroy than... the anomaly. I will be the Tarka here and detonate it, and uh. I, will, I will carry the moral responsibility and the guilt for destroying Fathery. No, uh, but Brian, Didn't... did you have any? Did you have any additional thoughts? That was, that was very cool to see uh, Fathery uh, invade our space-time continuum. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> he also happens to be in the chat. Uh, I can't listen along, but I want to say hi, and thanks for keeping this show going without me. Uh, that's uh, all right, Fathery. He,
3: he clearly can't hear how good of bad of a job we're doing. No,
0: I think I think we're doing a great job. Audience, you let us know. But yes. but I have to say, I did love his freaking shirt. What a cool oh. shirt he was wearing. I think he totally was showing off that shirt, too, by the oh. way. Uh, there um, might, when we get to the Picard portion of the discussion, there might be something else from um, from a r- from Father. in the fabric of space. <laughs> no, I, I actually,
2: I did not know, happen to notice what shirt he was wearing there, and Uh-oh, and people was... for people who couldn't see that, what shirt was he wearing? Starfley oh, thanks Boy? for thanks
0: for reminding me for uh, for the audience. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, there are people who listening. are not yeah, seeing it,
2: even though we're not going to have a lot of visuals this this episode. <laughs> uh, what That's was a, he wearing?
0: He was wearing this shirt that it looked like it had a bunch of different Tos characters, including Captain Pike in the middle. It was it was a mm. it was a, a cage. Yeah, uh, T-shirt shirt. like a yeah. like a cage poster yeah, T-shirt, yeah. if you will. It had the Talosian on it. It had number one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: I, I believe <laughs> I have seen that shirt before, but um, but yeah, that's that that is a nice little uh, deeper cut there.
0: Yeah. yeah all right, yeah. now
2: Brian, did you have anything else to say? Uh, yes.
3: Yes. The all right. Um, I and I kind of somewhat echo your feelings on this, but I thought they did an amazing, came up with an amazingly cool idea for the planet. The core of a gas giant that has had all of its, you know, 90% vol- by volume mass, uh, or not mass, but volume, 90% of its volume of gas ripped away to leave just this rocky core, and that there were these... These, these aliens that floated around at the incredibly high-pressure lower levels of this gas giant and built structures on the solid surface of the core of this planet, uh, of, uh, of the core of this gas giant, and all that's left is the structures sitting around and the atmosphere has been... I mean, effectively ripped away. They kind of comment about some atmosphere. So apparently there's some vestigial atmosphere that might be considered a lot of atmosphere if you're on a class M planet, but is, is nothing on a gas giant. And I thought what an interesting idea for a planet what that's unlike any other planet they've ever beamed down to in star trek arguably even planet of a whole uh, that's 90 percent dilithium is less interesting than this planet which has you know some sort of real
2: astrophysical basis of 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 its possibilities they never Um, they never show uh, particular gravitational fluctuations on on trek i just realized and i mean I guess I, you know, you don't want to just have everybody walking around hunched over for an episode or (laughs) bouncing a little, a few feet higher is is just kind of special effects wankery. Yeah, Um, I think they would
3: love to do the bouncing, except it's incredibly expensive. So uh, unless there's the plot absolutely demands it, you're not going to see.
0: <laughs> wow, we got it, a... um, <laughs> Brian. You got a compliment. My little Magellan says, "Wow, <laughs> listening to Brian's description of the episode is better than the actual episode." Kudos. Well, thank you. <laughs> we um, might be changing I, some hearts here tonight. I, I as
3: somebody well, who who frides himself as being a game master. <laughs> such things warm my
2: heart. Um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I am. Um... I feel like what you described as interesting, Brian, as presented was you know, not... That's kind of what I was saying, why I started
3: with, I feel like you still might have a point, is once we got down there... Aside from the giant bones, it didn't really feel that much different than most other alien planets we'd explored. I did love the giant bones. I was like, yeah. oh, finally, for the first time since giant clone Spock, we have Star Trek kaiju! We're going to I, I Trek do agree. Kaiju.
2: Trek has needed giant bones for a while now.
3: Yes, yes, and they're going to have to bring back clone Spock. They're going to make a new clone Spock to fight the giant kaiju. That's what Tarka's new plan is going to be. Is I've got some giant Spock DNA, and in the event
2: anyone out there is scratching their head, Brian is, of course, referring to an episode of Star Trek: The Animated Series, right.
0: <laughs> uh, and also referenced it. And we find out the fate of Giant Spock in uh in Star Trek: Lower Decks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. Um.
3: So I, I love the idea of that, and I thought the execution was okay, but not great. And it sure, I'll, I'll 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 back that. Yeah. Um. I also love the idea that we had these Dyson rings around a star. That we did nothing with whatsoever. In fact, I was kind of like, okay, the planet's been trashed, but there are Dyson rings over here. Maybe you should go check out the Dyson. No, no Dyson ring. We don't give a shit about. I, I guess you are yeah, what. Okay, I guess they're boring. Um, okay. Scotty would have. It <laughs> cool to look the...
0: at. Yeah, Scotty
3: would have checked out the Dyson rings, uh, or not Dyson rings. What do they call them? Uh, a ring worlds or whatever.
2: Anyway, um,
3: <laughs> they did. Uh, the, they
0: didn't. They use some kind of Dyson. They said something like a Dyson. Remnant. I usually hear
2: Dyson sphere, and yeah, I thought yeah. that if it's a ring, it's it's that, that you call it something else.
0: Yeah. But I think
2: uh, another name for it. Uh, yeah,
3: but I'm not. sure. No, I mean, I mean, in the I episode,
0: do? didn't they say something about it? Like the remnants of a Dyson. Sphere yeah, or like they, they like mentioned that. it, and then they oh, okay. never they bring it sh- up again. Bring it up it again. Just,
3: yeah. Um. The um again in this episode there's this undercurrent that sharing the truth, even if it seems like it's going to be awkward
2: or dangerous, is the right course of action. Um and you know what, and... Brian? I, I I must have an aversion to the truth because my favorite <laughs> stuff was them creeping around spying on people from the Jeffries tube, being duplicitous, psych making deals uh to subvert the discovery. Well, well... And I'm like, Finally, it's my people.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> Star Trek might not be for you, man, <laughs> um, but uh, um, even Book has his greatest success when he decides to be honest with one particular person he finds on Discovery that he feels he can be honest with, and that person's like, okay, but I'm going to be honest with you. We're going to do it this way and not your way, unless, but we'll keep yours as a plan B, and you know, it feels like that was the healthiest interaction Book had, actually, in this episode, <laughs> on, weirdly enough, was subverting one of the crew. But yeah, now that person's going to be out hiding stuff from everyone else. And so, yeah, it, it's it, it sounds more and more, it feels like the biggest threat to this mission could end up just being tarka and book and the lies wrapped around them um, could end up scuttling things more effectively than whatever the tenses weirdness might be um anyway so i like the fact that we continue to have that idea there was also on a more personal level oh i'm sorry i came out overshared and oh no no it's fine if you overshared that's kind of the theme of our season um and so i appreciated that on a on a more personal level too uh so yeah that that was my thoughts on the overall
0: Right right on um I love going last because I always feel like you guys have said the bulk of the things that I was thinking, uh, so it's always great I can just kind of throw in something else. I'm really enjoying Discovery overall this season. Uh, I have a lot of faith or confidence that like they're going to stick the landing this time, but I do have to admit that it does feel like uh, it, it might be a little protracted getting there. Like uh maybe maybe this would have been the season to try out a 10-season episode. I don't know. Um I'm not I'm not saying that there's a whole episode you can cut out, but I definitely see the opportunity to like maybe tighten up the season a little bit. But I am still excited and I did like the giant bones. That was like freaking crazy. <laughs> Are there two uh, episodes left? Is yeah, that right? there's two episodes left. Yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm kind of on the fence because with two episodes left and us knowing really a very little to nothing about the 10 c even after um encountering their whatever their ancestral homeworld or whatever this might mm-hmm. be um uh i'm i'm like worried i'm like oh is this if is it gonna go on till into next season like are we gonna carry on this story like is there gonna be I more you know? i yeah. bet next
2: episode reveals it and final episode includes whatever the dramatic high high point is but in the, there there is the possibility like with you know that article i shared that's uh i don't know if i'm trekmovie.com or whatever it was theorizing that the gilligan's island reference was actually suggesting these guys are going to get marooned a little a little tongue in cheek um uh foreshadowing i guess uh. and because they've put enough people like extra people on the ship who aren't there th- that would provide interesting dramatic uh plays off of each other and people said goodbyes and stuff i'm like they actually could do that. It seems crazy. It probably is. But they actually could do that if they wanted. Is like trap them on the other side of the galactic barrier. So much is made of it.
0: Oh, and they have to go to the next galaxy or something. That's crazy. You they, know what? Well,
2: the... Discovery would get to continue. They fulfilled their the name of the show just by going into the far-flung future. But now they would be the first people to really get to get a good look around outside the galaxy.
0: I like the way you think, kid. That's kind of cool because uh, it, it, it would... Yeah, two seasons here, two seasons here, and then let's see where the next two seasons... You know, what we do in the next two... Maybe Star Trek will finally go to Andromeda. <laughs> who knows? I, I <laughs> see uh, Stress-Free
2: K says, Tarka could be marooned, and that would be just fine. My co-worker is also a Tarka hater. Uh, I, I Again, I'm kind of liking the characters in this who are a little duplicitous, and I think it's not necessarily like, oh, I love duplicity, but it's more like, I, I like the the kind of something of the, the classic nature of schemers in, in drama and uh, uh, just what they bring to the table. There, there, there's an energy. Um, so, uh, so I like him on that basis.
3: Right on. Well, everyone being honest with each other isn't nearly as interesting if there isn't a schemer to throw it all into sharp <laughs> relief. So you know you need that contrast. Good is boring if there's not some evil for it to smash against. You know.
0: <laughs> well, let's get right into the uh, the story here, uh, yep. Brian. Uh, since you did such a great job, and I do really mean it, I, I'm reading these notes and they're awesome. Will I, you go ahead and read us the first? Uh, see, uh, the I, first... I was
3: thinking I was detecting sarcasm. Since you did such a great job, you can fumble through
0: trying. To I know. I messages. sound like a, a mean. T- teacher always i don't mean to it's just like there's <laughs> no, a no, default <laughs> sassiness in my in my tone <laughs> <right>. just... <laughs> okay here we go so uh
3: michael decides it is worth the potentially lost time to stop and investigate the core of a gas giant that might have once been inhabited by the 10z alien uh relic and michael argue about saru being on the mission um then they uh i guess yeah anybody anything yeah.
0: any comments on this bit Yeah, what stood out to me in this part was uh, – it's it's interesting because, like, you know, what I like about Rillick this season is that none of her points are wrong. I kind of – I can see, like, where she's coming from. And I love that Disco is doing this because I feel like one of the biggest critiques uh, folks had – uh you know in previous seasons like they didn't he- they didn't see like an opposition to like these crazy bravado things that you know michael or whoever wanted to do and i i like really just seems like she's she's got the authority first of all but she also has she also presents things in a way that like yeah you can see it makes sense so i did i did agree with her i also thought that whole scene where they were um Uh, I just love the the interactions between uh, the President and Burnham this season I like that they're kind of like working together, even though they still continue to disagree but it took them some work to get here like when in the earlier part of the season like when Rulik had asked a question. Uh, Burnham was like are you challenging my authority sort of and Relic's like no I was just asking a, can I just not ask a question you know like I was just genuinely curious and so now I feel like they're at a place where they trust each other and they're working together and it feels real it feels like it's paid off they've, they've done these like little you feel little like it's memor- organic it's yeah. organic yeah it's yeah. a great way of putting it
3: and the complaint the president lays down is in the real world a completely valid complaint it would be complete insanity to send both the captain and the XO onto a weird alien planet in any version of reality that we live in, Um, you know, so Especially in that situation. The only way you can even justify it is just they've been doing this on Star Trek since literally the first episode. Which is why I probably
2: I I think I would have like potentially edited that scene out uh just because <laughs> yeah we've we've been over the endless uh the debates over whether the, you know we want do we want the dramatic captain yeah. goes down or do we want the realistic but um uh the uh but yeah it's true it's and uh, and I and I I think there's a reasonable case to be made for showing it in this one because well it is galaxy threatening stakes so um mm-hmm. you you might they might be like we need to at least mention this
3: <laughs> and let's be honest if, if my if michael ends up michael and the if the captain and the EXO end up dead the president's raring to take over like, and <laughs> try try her hand at being captain
0: um shall i move on uh yeah actually uh i'll read the next one okay don't we get don't we rotate on the show right I mean, yeah, yeah. well father to, he had
2: you... kind of taken over and was kind of jumping running it himself um oh uh, we can oh, rotate if you want. I'm just
3: warning you that there might be some missing words. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'll figure but...
0: it out. They arrive on planet on the planet cord. <laughs> Saru starts having scary hallucinations, but he doesn't tell the others the extent of his experiences. They find the massive bones of the Ten C from the Cataclysm a thousand years ago. Saru admits he senses the coming of death. That was kind of a cool nod to season one of Discovery, by the way. And he's like, yeah. I feel the coming of death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um,
2: you know, Brian, you were talking about like sort of telling the truth. It's sometimes it, it's a little bit frustrating to me, and when there's the absence of it, and and so uh, like like when people should like, I felt like Saru. I, I guess he sort of felt like ashamed and, and just thrown off by it. So so again, you can. There's there's a reason for it. But I feel like in those circumstances, he might have said, like, hey, my threat ganglia just went off again for the first time in years. And it's really uncomfortable, but it means something bad is about to happen. Like, I kind of wish he had just been more upfront about it because we the audience sort of knew that that, that it was the case um, that I, I don't necessarily think we needed too too much suspense about his visions.
3: Yeah, I think Mike, as I recall, Michael has to pry it out of it, you know, basically sends the team on ahead and then she corners him and says, what's wrong with you?
0: (laughs) I have a question about the compound. So it's interesting, like the compound that he touches outside gives him these like scary uh, visions of the cataclysm. Mm -hmm uh and and then later on you know of course we'll talk about that but later on it's a different compound and it gives them a different emotion and then uh, i think stamets says they found like 14 or something uh compounds each correlating with a different emotion so i'm wondering like uh, we haven't seen the 10c yet but do they just like since it's like pheromones do they like shed this somehow when they're scared right, like and is that like their
2: skin cells, cells or, or yeah. like
0: you know like it's in, it, uh, and it's lasted a thousand years like this compound has sat there for a thousand years and it's still potent and it still carries these memories so an interesting concept it's very you know it's very different from anything we've seen kind of before as far as i can tell
2: yeah that is that is actually a pretty neat idea um although um i guess it's It's a little weird that you might people just be like strolling around experiencing your experiences with no control. But I assume that that maybe the 10C themselves have like maybe they just casually can shunt out that sort of stuff, let it in when they want, let it block it when they want.
3: They might only put it out under normal circumstances, under very controlled and minute amounts. But the entire planet being wiped out, filled with these people screaming, this might be spraying this powder everywhere. Might <laughs> they, be. Pooped. They, they, they pooped? They're, 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 they pooped emotion. There, there, there. might be their sp- death screams. So, so the reason it's all over the place is because <laughs> when they die, they just, as an evolutionary benefit, <laughs> scream death powder all over the place. So but they also screamed.
2: Comes... They also screamed love powder all over well, the place. No, they, they might have
3: deliberately wallpapered the place instead of, they said, well, we could do the lead paint or we could do the happy, the happy buzz buzz drugs for
2: the kids. Let's get the so. kids
3: high. Okay. Did
2: they, did they make clear that they probably did? And maybe I just missed it. Did they make clear if, do they know if the 10C would experience these things or if it was something that like, you know, essentially humanoids. Uh, aliens from from you know our side of the galaxy uh, experience as just a weird side effect like and, uh, did they just accidentally leave psychic emanations or do we assume that the psychic emanations are a key part of their culture
3: they they were very confident perhaps unjustly that this is how the ten communicates or at least one of the ways they communicate and that they would have and in fact they must have the same emotions as us because we're all all experiencing the exact same emotions when exposed to this chemicals and apparently emotions, are the the cosmological constant across this galaxy and other galaxies. And
2: you know what, Spock, everybody's human. <laughs> I appreciate it. In in, in the comments, Stress Free K has reminded us the terminology, aromatic hydrocarbons is the term yeah. they use. Um uh, and yeah. um they do uh, specify yeah, so. it's
3: not psychic, uh, which they're apparently right. their apparently their tricorders can scan for psychic energy now, which is kind of awesome. Though I'm, wondering I was being, being pity. Yeah, <laughs> at some point, don't you have to become a quad quarter, right? Because it, it, now it does uh, energy and space and uh, uh, biology, and now it does psionics. So that's four things, right? But um, anyway. have we
2: actually heard them use the word
3: tricorder? Maybe I it is a quad quarter. I think they <laughs> tricom badges is what they're calling. Them. Uh, now okay. and that could actually refer to yeah. transporter communicator and tricorder uh, all looped together a this is tri- why they need you uh,
2: they need you on staff brian calling yep. them out asking them the important asking them those questions so that they can push that tech forward
3: <laughs> it would be fun <laughs> to have some quad quarters just, just for fun. um i did wonder why they didn't they made such a big deal about oh yeah we're gonna waste time on this planet why didn't they just send a shuttle down and the shuttle can investigate this planet while Discovery goes on the way, and then the shuttle, when it has its, re- it, whatever it discovers, takes up into space and transmits to them, these are our findings, and, I,
2: and the ship... The, well, the, is this, this, this is just, just Trek trope stuff? Probably also, because
3: we did, whoever we put on the shuttle, we wouldn't see in episode two and three other than on a <laughs> new screen, so yeah. we, we didn't want to have the, the episode focus on some characters that aren't going to be there for the rest of the season.
2: Although, if they had done a shorter, like, made the the planetary scenes shorter, then that would have been a good use of some of the lesser, you know, lesser seen characters. They could have sent down a Woshikan or, you know, some of the yeah. others. And
3: given them a chance to shine. So, yeah. yeah, that might have potentially been a better version. If they only had two episodes left, that might have been the better, the way to do it. Uh, I
0: see it also as plausible that, like, going down at first, like, uh even you know technology would just kind of do a blanket scan but like maybe not pick up some of the nuances that you can pick up from like actual you know firsthand observation because then sam later says that once they found this compound they sent down the dots and the dots found like tons of it so like yeah. They like once they knew what they were looking for, they went back to the ship, and then they sent the dots down, which is which is smart. I'm glad they put that line and in the there. And
2: the dots probably wouldn't have had a, uh, a, a aromatic uh, hydrocarbon freakout,
0: right? Um, to learn that it was even important, yeah. you know, like yeah. what. But the I do think,
2: like just broadly speaking, the show is. I mean, it's made it clear that Burnham wants to kind of like get the data firsthand. She wants she's making the calls, so she wants to be the one who the information is going to yeah. directly.
0: And that's that eager scientist in her. Like, I kind of get that. Like, if you're like, it, it reminds me of, speaking of uh, my little Magellan, you know, there in the audience, like, it, it reminds me of that kind of spirit of, like, I want to see it. Like, I know it's dangerous, but I want to see it. Like, I want to see what this is. Like, sure. I want to yeah. touch it. I want to feel it. And I get that. Like, you know, th- all of the captains, like Picard <laughs> touching the phoenix, like, it just kind of harkens to those kinds of emotions for now, me. Now, they
2: do have a timeline, right? Or they, yeah. they do have a time crunch. Crunch, yeah. Um, yes, yes. More- because uh, people are Nebar about to start and, dying uh, by the billions. Yeah. Right. So, you could argue that that's maybe not the best time to go on a hike.
3: Well, um, Michael, <laughs> yeah, Michael does put out the argument that we should do our research and then get in the and then do the thing after we've researched everything we can about the thing, which in a world where people are all like "fuck science," I kind of appreciate the person who does their homework before they go to do the thing. You know, they're not. I'm just going to inject myself with this and see if it cures COVID. No, yeah. no, let's do some science. Then, then we'll inject ourselves with something.
2: Yeah. Um, I see Michael Michael Stepniak in the uh, audience uh, says, "Weren't the comms jammed on the surface? Uh, there wouldn't be any way to tell if it was working or disabled." And that's uh, that. That might have been in there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I no, the com- They that.
3: had once they dropped too low in the planet, then they lost calm contact with Discovery, and which is why you'd have, have to leave a shuttle, it would have to fly down there, do the research, take whatever findings, fly back up into orbit, out of the interference, and then send Transmit the signal, the, right the, the, the notes they've discovered Discovery.
0: They um, also couldn't even detect their own life signs, which was interesting. Oh so like, uh, yeah, whatever, they did mention yeah. that. They, yeah. yeah,
3: they never really get back to that point, what's jamming the
2: life sc- sign scanners. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it was just supposed to maybe indicate how weird this place was. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes. I did think it was odd that we, we've like we've got to make diplomatic contact with these aliens. This planet appears to have been a place they hung out, but we can't scan the surface for life forms so we don't know if they're still down there or not, so we arrive, we cloak our ships and nice they throw out sneaky, the phasers, and they're <laughs>
2: they all standing around with their guns out, and I'm like Dude, that threw me. I yeah. was weirded out by them having all having phasers drawn,
3: yeah. Uh, uh, and that was weird because, like, even in Stargate SG One, where they're going through gates into unknown worlds, and with military people, th- they, yeah, and they've got they've got the machine guns, but they don't sit there pointing the guns as they step <laughs> out of the gate and point. You know, just, well, you know they, they they keep the guns handy, but they don't have them in hand <laughs> unless something actually threatening appears. So I'm like, you know, when the U.S. Air Force is less aggressive in their first contact protocols than <laughs> you are, you might want to think about. About what you're doing
2: so. i think i think it's one of those cases where the writers got a little zealous and they were like they wanted to let the the the, the mission team look kind of badass yeah. but yeah it is it was a weird call to me and it actually bothered me uh enough to 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 make a note about it so and it might be
3: something that was only in this it wasn't in the script that might be the director
2: um there was a comment about nice keeping job, the weapons job the, the,
3: there was a comment about making sure the weapons were on stun but that line would have made sense even if the guns were in you know folded up on their wrist or whatever because they're all programmable yeah. matter things
2: now maybe they were just praising in case there were seti eels uh roaming about yeah.
0: i i do agree that that is a good nitpick i would have not I think they should not have drawn their phasers. It does. It's an aggressive stance no matter what. Yeah. Like if, if I saw someone come in with their hand out and Star Trek. thing yeah, – yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Star Trek <laughs> has
2: a long history of like if we don't know what the deal is, you don't power up shields, you don't power up phasers right. on the ship until you know what's what. What's um, what yeah. So yeah. yeah, a little bit of an odd case. Yeah.
3: I I also thought it was odd that the environmental suits we've got, Colbers uh, has white stripes on it because he's medical, and Detmers has yellow stripes on it because she's operations, and uh, Saru and Michael have black on them instead of red it was like where why don't they have red stripes on their suits
0: <laughs> oh good question as well
3: they have to look cool and badass and black <laughs> is cool and badass the more like batman they oh.
2: look the better. I, I have a comment on the suits but uh, um i might wait till we like uh, jump yep. to the next thing uh yeah. next uh, like plot point or two maybe uh, and sh- do we want to jump in yeah. yeah
0: let's do it uh, uh go ahead uh dave do you want to read this one or should i just keep reading them it's fine uh, I'll,
2: I'll jump in uh, All is right, this, uh right number so three they, uh, they they enter a massive constructed structure and speculate as to its purpose. Culber uh, uh, begins to get the scary visions as well as Michael. And I think we might want to just combine this with the next one, because yeah. it's all kind yeah. of sh- it's shared. They figure out that it's the uh, uh, hydrocarbon dust that's penetrating their suits because they didn't tell their suits to stop it. Uh, they change the settings on the suits and the contamination stops. And they detect a chamber with something in it and they investigate it.
0: I enjoyed the working out of the problem. Uh, but it, But again, another thing like, I feel like this one I kind of knew before they knew like thing you know like I was like alright guys <laughs> like, like figure this out already it was like that's a classic <laughs> thing the audience should
2: generally not be ahead of the characters right uh, and, until that moment when it's about to be revealed and you have that delicious moment when you figure it out and a few seconds later they get it right but it's if, if it's going on for 10 minutes 15 minutes whatever um it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a dicey proposition
0: that being said great shining moments from Detmer from that piece like I did like that that, you know, she talks about how like in that one scene she talked about how she compartmentalizes things and that's how she's able to like give a veneer of coolness. She also talked about her past. She also talked about therapy. Uh, she also talked about her trauma. Like it was very cool. Like it was neat to see. And, and, and the things that she was talking about are things we've seen, you know, right. that came before. So it was, it was very. Was that was last very... season? Yeah, it was last yeah. season. Like, uh, uh, Someone was pointing out that this was like De- Detmer's moments to shine, but she also had a moment last season to shine as well. She had that trauma. You know, she had that disturbing scene at the dinner table where she like was reciting that like morbid haiku about Stamets dying or something. I don't oh, remember right. when it was, like the blood of Stamets or, or something <laughs> like that. It was like very, very dark, but very, very interesting as well. So, yeah, I enjoyed the Detmer stuff in it. Uh, But yeah, it didn't seem like, yeah, something, uh, something didn't coalesce with the, it it like lingered a little too long for my, you know, for, for me.
3: I guess I didn't actually figure out it was the dust that was the problem until they said so. Because I just sort of assumed that spacesuits kept out dust, and you know, foolish me for thinking that a spacesuit would be dust-proof if it can hold out molecules of air inside
2: it. But um so yeah, I, was well, I don't plausible... think I had guessed that per se. It's just that like we, had, it had kind of. Like, uh, thematically or plot-wise, it had become clear that these visions were kind of infecting them and going around, and, uh, like, it was getting – I think it was dragging a little bit. It just
0: felt – I feel like the – you know how in, like, in The Naked Time, it's really obvious, like, this little red whatever substance, like, this sticky substance, like, goes on the hand, and he starts itching and stuff like that? It's like – it's like saru almost immediately started reacting right when he steps in the blue dust which no one else stepped in so like yeah. that was like the first indicator and then you know culbert touches him and then he starts having so i was like oh this is so naked time like <laughs> you know what i mean like this is like, <laughs> like Some, it, you need to overdub <laughs> that naked time scratch effect yeah yeah exactly and then and then when when uh and then when um burnham's actually that's when i was like oh yeah it's the dust and then actually there is a plausible reason because they were cut off from the main database on the ship. So the suits couldn't like communicate with the ship and get telemetry or like process what it's being, what unknown substances it's being in coming in contact with. Plus they couldn't even detect life forms. So the suits internal sensors must've just been like, well, this, this seems like a similar compound to this. Maybe it's harmless. I'm not going to, or it doesn't even know, like it, it didn't even see the compound. Maybe the compound was just coming through the filter without the suit. even. Well, I, would, seeing I just it. sort of
3: assumed that the suit wasn't, pulling anything in. Did they say anything about, oh, we're there's enough air in here we can filter
2: the air with our suits? I, mm-hmm. I missed exactly what the mechanism was by which it got in. I, I see it, in the comments wasn't. that the, Arthur... The, the, the Arthur... Me- Lemoreau says the suits should have filtered off uh, filtered all alien substances. If this dust was deadly, those characters would have had a quick end.
0: <laughs> which which probably happens a lot in Starfleet, and we just don't hear about it. You know, like, <laughs> I, like... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't assume it was filtering anything because they never mentioned
3: filtering anything. I assumed they were like spacesuits where they have their own internal oxygen rubbers Yeah. Gotcha. And the, was, nothing was, on the was it something that was like interacting with was it something
2: out screen. of phase with the reality, fourth dimensional, something like that? They is that why? Didn't say that. I mean. I that okay. was the
3: only head cannon I've come up with. This yeah. is some Good transdimensional, point. Point. Yeah.
2: transphasic dust. But the thing I wanted to mention about that. the suits uh, is that once they got into those darkened quarters, I was like, "Who designed these suits so that the interior lights of the helmets give you scary face?" They all had scary face. <laughs> they were,
3: they were. I mean, whenever you put them in space, put an actor in spacesuit, it's generally really hard to light their face. Yeah. Properly, so you're always coming up with stupid excuses to mount light bulbs inside the suit helmet, which <laughs> makes no. No sense because you can't actually see out very well if there's a bright light shining in your face and once again they but because these suits were so conformal there wasn't a way to get the light around the ridges of the face, so they ended up with a halo of light around the face, but the center of the face was all dark and shadowy because it couldn't because of the way they built the helmet. Yeah. Sure, it was it was you, some
2: weird shadows.
3: It was some I bet weird you shadows. Those helmets are, and those lights will look different next time we see that
2: those suits in Discovery. Well, see, they I thought they, they wanted say, it.
3: That didn't look good. We're going to spend some money
2: and fix that. <laughs> I figured they wanted it to be eerie and like so they you know the the equivalent of the campfire flashlight under the face and so that was like an intentional use of the lighting i, I don't um, think they realized how bad it was gonna look <laughs> but, until but yeah like let's switch switched on the lights <laughs> let's keep an eye on that next time those suits do appear absolutely
0: <laughs> Uh stress for K in the audience says, "I feel like all these clues from the planet will lead us to to be able to communicate with the ten C." 10C... Oh, that was for Thomas. Sorry, I, I sometimes yeah. I didn't see that it was at someone. But but I do good, think that yeah, I think a that's good...
2: a, that's a good point in general that you know this isn't just a you know a the sort of episodic nature of it of them uncovering a mystery and learning a bit about them. It is almost certainly going to be involved in the you know the,
0: the, the finale yeah, or yeah. The, somehow yeah the so the away team realizes that the structure is a nursery when the discovery when they. They discover uh, the remains of the dead 10 C. Pupas, is that the way to say that word? (laughs) I I like that, pupa, yeah, it's a good word. It gives me an idea of like, uh, an interesting idea of what the 10C might be like, insectoids, I guess. It appears that the 10C value and protect their children. The team exposes themselves to a new flavor of hydrocarbon they find which includes feelings of familial comfort and safety. Detmer and Saru talk about how this emotion wasn't a big part of their lives. Um, The away team speculate that some emotions are universal and that these chemicals can serve as foundation for communication with the 10 C. So that that scene really did touch me, but mostly because of the performances, I was pretty moved by just like their like uh, body language and the way that they were reacting. And like, I did get the vibe from uh, Burnham, you know, and uh, I just got the vibe that they did feel that comfort or something, and, and you yep. mentioned earlier Uh, Brian that maybe the they they sprayed the walls with this comfort dust or this like this like good feeling security blanket dust right like that makes sense to me and I like that I hadn't thought about that what my thought was is that and it's sadder I think is that the babies died feeling safe like they didn't know you know what I mean that like they didn't know what was going on and maybe that was I mean that's kind of like the objective of every parent is you don't want like you don't want your babies to die fearing and screaming right that's super sad (laughs) but at the same time a
2: loving act and I Think right. it would yeah. be an interesting concept to have to show um you know that maybe that is what led leads yeah. them to do whatever it is you know they're um dredging yeah. that they do in 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 our galaxy uh that you know some sort of preventative thing and you know when they talk about it more overtly or communicate in some way about it more overtly, that would be an interesting and yes, somewhat harsh thing to be talking about. I, I yeah, like that the, idea.
3: The world builder in me prefers the, we paint it with happy chemicals, <laughs> but the storyteller in me says, Oh God, that's so cool. Much cooler is that they didn't know they were gonna die. The- Finally
2: <laughs> dead babies. <Yes. laughs> You've taken too long to get there to Star Trek discovery, but now that you did, you went at it in a big way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, uh, Michael Stepniak says, "I'm glad Starfleet boy uh, said that. They, this really did remind me of the insectoid nursery and hatchery and Enterprise, right down to the pheromone effects." Yep,
3: I had forgot about that episode, but you're right. That was that that was one where they they pretty much went to the same places. Yeah, that was a good year. episode
0: too. Where Archer wasn't Archer affected also by those pheromones right like he I was kind of nuts recall. yeah he was like going nuts he was like super protective and like. let's put crazy. that in the
2: non-existent gorn eggs at the end of this episode
3: oh, Yes, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there
0: are all yeah sorry guys there's no gorn eggs.
2: <laughs> but we're gonna
0: put that one well, there were there. gorn eggs
3: you have to find them on your own yeah exactly we'll, we'll mention that one you gotta do
0: hey book. audience you tell us what the gorn eggs are <laughs> in the chat and we'll put and we'll highlight them tonight. man there's gonna
2: be 800 of them in
0: Picard <laughs> it's true it's true um,
3: I did I did want to say detmer like basically all starfleet personnel has lost at least one parent before their time so because that's what makes you go into starfleet apparently is losing (laughs) your parents early That, Uh, that was
0: the other touching thing about this scene is that it was heartbreaking to imagine that um it was just heartbreaking to also speculate and imagine about what led detmer's father to be such a distant father like i didn't Mm. necessarily get the vibe that he was like intentionally abusive but i felt like he was a broken person after he lost his wife like that he just could like maybe there was something like that yeah Yeah. and that maybe that he maybe like she reminded maybe kayla reminded him of his wife Mm. so much that it was hard for him to like you know see her in any other way and so maybe there was a little about that and then also it was interesting because kayla has described herself i'm calling her kayla like she's my best friend but like De- <laughs> <laughs> commander detmer has described in the past that she's she's described herself as macho and now i'm mm-hmm. seeing a little bit of where she might be getting that from maybe her dad was like a very cool hand luke macho type of guy you know like distant, maybe that was how she
2: tried to impress him was uh, that be, was her attempt, yeah, to, her fit attempt
0: in. To, to fit in and stuff so and maybe that to differentiate
2: cool. herself from her mother even
0: right on right on right on
2: they, sh- they should follow up on it like detmer should go ahead and get like you know, an episode in, in in the future that that can kind of dive into that a little bit more.
0: Any other thoughts um, on that?
3: Uh, nothing big, no. Yeah. The floaty things in the big chamber. Given that they're drifting at about this air density, means that when this planet would have been filled with uh, would been this was when, when this was the core of a gas giant those floaty things would have been way up in the sky right. and not back down at, at about you know touching level for our people because their density with if they're if because the 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 pressure on this planet has reduced massively so if those things are floating at about ground level then they must have been floating way yeah. up in the sky originally or, or at least that's what they normally do whatever they were floaty things.
2: I wonder if that will will have any bearing on on anything I, on I think they just wanted some floaty things on there, (laughs) quite possibly.
0: Speaking of Um, uh, speaking of Zeno anthropology for a second, um, they remind me of something really interesting when I was a kid. I, I can't remember the book. I'll try to find out for the next text track or I'll post it on Twitter or something, but there was a book that NASA collaborated with some artists and it speculated what life would look like in our solar system. And the Jupiter life forms were very like, they were like these floaty things that reminded, I used to call them as a kid, jelly wobbles. I don't know if that's like <laughs> something like a kid would say, and these I wanna guys, see this things, book.
2: That sounds cool.
0: <laughs> I will find it. I, I have it somewhere in my closet. I actually own this book, but interestingly enough, the, the series, the new the new version of the series, Cosmos did it kind of visualize the same thing. Like, uh, you know, they did they this season, the second season did more of a Xeno anthropology type of thing where well, not not really xenoanthropology, but like speculative like you sure. know life on other speculative planets biology, and biology and all biology that stuff. stuff yeah, um, uh, and, and it was cool. I saw they did a similar thing with like gas giants and what life life would be like in a, on a gas giant and stuff. So highly recommend checking that out. Uh, but that's kind of what it, it like was reminiscent of uh, for me. Right on. On the way back to the disco, Detmer apologizes uh, for oversharing, and Saru says all our experiences make us who we are. Michael speculates that trauma of losing their home planet is why the Ten C. 10C... Oh, did I skip one? No, I didn't skip one. Okay, <laughs> is why. Sorry, a highlight just came up and it threw no. me off. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> That's I didn't saying. realize the highlighting showed up on yours. As well. <laughs> Screwing you up, I apologize. <laughs> Father, don't kill me. <laughs> uh, so, um. Michael speculates the trauma of of losing their home planet is why the Ten C are hiding in the hyperfield. In the end of the, uh, wait, sorry, in the end they collect sixteen distinct hydrocarbon emotion slash memories. Uh, so yeah, that kind of wraps up that little a plot portion. Um, is that
2: going to be their like baseline vocabulary? That's their that's their Rosetta Stone.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have yeah.
2: sixteen words.
0: Well, <laughs> we have to say <laughs>
2: anything we want to say, but we only got these
0: sixteen, 16 words. Sixteen words. Oh, it's very uh, uh, the close explosion it's like <laughs> dead baby, sad love. <laughs> horrible I wonder... death and, <laughs> a and horrible a jelly death. donut. We have jelly donut for some reason. Guys, lead with lead with baby. am <laughs> no, just kidding. Guys, like no, but I do. I I do wonder is. If if these things are so big, like the kaiju, so Disco's probably gonna spray this shit out in the space to like oh, communicate the with them. Crimson
3: shield shit. They're gonna reverse uh, the yeah. ram scoops.
0: Right, and then spray the the compound. I imagine into space because I can't imagine that like you you can't just go up to it and spray it <laughs> like you know like it's yeah. Like... <laughs>
2: this, this is their is this whole season gonna end up being their kind of Darmok writ large. You know, Ooh. a um, a uh, sort of a, a meta scale version of trying to communicate, and but they'll they'll theirs will kind of also take on this kind of big special effectsy thing, if if that is how they do it, and I think that might be how they do it.
3: Nah, right they're on. gonna they're gonna do full Rick and Morty, and there'll be a big nozzle on the front of the ship that'll <laughs> splooge this goo all over.
2: And then oh no, save that back. for the lower decks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: won't be a nice
3: mist. It's gonna be something sticky and goo. No, uh, it'll probably be a mist. <laughs>
0: Let's get to Dave's favorite part of the episode, the B plot. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, uh,
2: this. So, you know what I want to do? I want to overdub for over the B plot. By the way, uh, the Mission Impossible theme,
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> climbing around in the ducts. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, All right, so, hit it, hit it. What do we got? Hit it. Book and Tarka secretly beam aboard the Discovery to insert a virus into Zora, or a patch they were calling it, but it's I think they were calling it, yeah, but it's a virus. It is a virus. A, yeah, <laughs> patch is like a yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> a virus that will let them piggyback on discovery when it enters the domain of the Ten C. They beam over and eavesdrop on a conversation between Nadoya and Tarina. Nadoya expresses frustration, and Michael cautions methodical. Uh, Michael, uh, cautious, <laughs> Michael's cautious, methodical approach. Book wants to enlist Nadoya to their cause. Tarka says fine, but he's continuing to engineering. Book explains his plan, and Nadoya says she will be there a uh, spy but only if book agrees to give diplomacy a chance only if Navar and Terra are about to be destroyed can book and Tarka
2: You know I'm sure book will take that to heart uh meanwhile Tarka's <laughs> over here with the detonator button and he's just like the instant he sees him <laughs> boom he's over there like now how about now is now good how about now <laughs> he's going to have an old fashioned plunger <laughs> that he pushes down <laughs> He's specifically gonna make it like that. He's gonna have the replicator make one.
3: Uh, Uh, You know We, we, we already did see this whole how this whole thing played out with the DMA destruction. With the oh no we could wait and talk about boom no I'm doing the thing boom so yeah. I think it's gonna go differently because they, I think already so sh- they already showed us setting it up uh, doing it that way once before so.
2: this so, was yeah. the uh, Jeffrey's tubinist episode uh, <laughs> of the mole I yeah. guess
0: I mean and they really used it like we had that scene where Book well is, there was like, lots kinda, of like yeah. haptic
2: effects and they had little heads-up displays and they were they were doing a thing where they would like essentially only on their side, essentially open up a window. Right. right. Uh, like just did with a little digital hand wipe. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was both cool, but also a little creepy. Like, I'm like, I hope that like engineers poking around and there aren't just spying all the time. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> It's the enlightened thirty-second century. They don't do those things. Uh-huh. <laughs> I
0: I also I also enjoyed the like right before they beamed aboard, board like Book is crouching and he's like, Well, if you want your head cut off, you can stay standing. You know, like it was pretty funny, but it reminded me a little bit of and there's something in Picard that also reminded me of two thousand nine Star Trek, but it reminded me of how like spot Spock takes that kind of stance. Yeah. You know, before you I, I thought that was Vulcan. like just
2: ready coiled to to spring to action. <laughs> that was that it was like in the Kelvin verse you don't beam over stiff as a board, you beam over like a panther. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's beam a that's like a shirt a I need. Panther. Beam like a panther. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um I guess Something that feels like really, and I'm sure this will come up, but Tarka is like, okay, once we get inside the the, the hyperfield, then we just disable their power source. That's kind of like, okay, once we get inside the United States, we just knock out the entire U.S. power grid. Right. We're there.
2: We're where they have it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's... Like that's quite a leap. It's like those little s- step one, step two, then step f- 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 three. Profit. Profit. You know? Yeah. And it's like um, this they real... missed the
2: step in there. How do yeah, you... <laughs> it's it's a little bit dodgy. And honestly, as confident as Tarka, I mean, I know he's supposed to be kind of narcissistically overconfident, but that when you're dealing with like a, like the alien race that can like you know wipe out billions that nobody knows how they think, it's a bit of a stretch to think that you can just go in and do that yeah (laughs) to to, to add in any way bank on it it it
3: it wasn't like when they were wiping out the dma where they'd studied it they had a plan they had the right type of tool to do the thing to blow it up here they're just like yeah we're gonna get in there and then we'll make something up and it's gonna be awesome (laughs) well he's a Um, mad
2: scientist so he
0: is a mad scientist uh stress free k has a nice little point here that's lighting up the chat um which is book communicating the pain he experienced from Quaidon's annihilation could speak the language 10 really understands an emotional level um which... early on
2: i was kind of like a few episodes back i was kind of surmising that book that his uh, ability to sort of like tap into like life forces and stuff like that could be instrumental to the communication and i think this is that next step of that idea i, th- I think that's a very good point
0: we still yeah. have the mystery of whatever um bryce and Kovitch were working on which uh uh it looked like last episode admiral vance was about to like say what it was and then he, he gets cut off so there's still like there's another thing at play that we don't know about so it's very interesting what's going on do we at, think
2: there's it, any yeah. chance that that's just whatever the, the next season is going to be they're like well we didn't want to tell you guys but we discovered something
0: yeah th- uh, there's a chance that that might be the case i i, I see that i i could see that totally happening uh, um the
2: other thing i was going to say
3: is a fleet of doomsday machines has arrived <laughs> <and> is <laughs> eating we just did the delta quadrant we didn't so, feel we <laughs> we can tell you we
2: didn't want you distracted
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So someone on twitter was saying that they wonder if the 10 were behind the doomsday machine maybe these guys have been here for a long time harvesting yeah. things and and doing stuff because the doomsday machine was a planet killer wasn't it, it
4: was just right like, well yeah. it could be
2: like but what if we learned that it wasn't originally meant to kill planets but right. to, to 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 dredge as their other thing was and it was like an early attempt or know. you know an automated version that they left running
0: that would be epic to tie it into that. That would be really interesting to me. I think that would be it, cool.
2: I would like it if I like how the show ends. If right. the season doesn't, if I if I'm like disappointed with how it plays out, then I'll be like, man, why they got to bring the doomsday machine down with that? <laughs> That's one of the best episodes ever. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I really like the scene where Nadoya, con- uh, well, where Book tries to like confront Nadoy and she just like pins him against the wall with like a knife, and she's, but but you know, like you said in the in the little, she did plot not get point, punked out. <laughs> she did not but but i love her character i hope i really do i kind of love dave's idea about them being stranded afterwards because i want to see a lot more of this interaction this play I, I do feel like they are setting something up i don't know maybe it's just for the season and that's it but like it, it well you know it, it occurs to me on. that it's it's
2: they've they've already established uh, something of a, a pretty strong bond between the uh president and, and and burnham at this point of mutual respect but in uh Otherwise, they it does reflect Battlestar Galactica of having a president and a ship's captain who, in Galactica, was much more military oriented. Um, they're more on the same page here, but it does mean that you know the president will be kind of the pragmatist voice, and and Burnham the dreamer, you know, right? Uh, and and sometimes the loose cannon. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, the, uh, so the, I feel like Maverick. <laughs> yes, they they they've. I think it would maybe be a good idea. Um, the the essentially what happens next in the thirty second century in our galaxy, like does Earth get admitted to the to Starfleet and things like that, are kind of bookkeeping details. Like it'd be, yeah, hopefully so. Or I guess they they are they're part of it, right? Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. I, I,
3: my impression is that both Earth and Navar still have yet oh, to sign. Okay. Oh, right. No, you're absolutely yeah, you're right. right. You're right. They
0: hadn't come back. So, yeah, yeah. So there's Navarre, no, no, no. sorry, Navar came back. Uh, remember the yes? No, remember the episode where uh, where they decided with, that. With her the, no, that Burnham would be the special council. Okay, yeah, like you're the spe- right. yeah, Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, so Navar is... Ba- I think this will be the mission that gets Nadoya to petition for Earth to come. Maybe. We'll, we'll but there's see. no yeah, other like,
2: big dramas essentially yeah. going on in the galaxy right now. They're mopping up the um, the Emerald Chain, and, and, you know, they're they're inducting new planets, and they're working on a way to, what, synthesize dilithium. And so, like, kind of in some ways, things are going okay there. They're, they're doing what they need to, so it'd be cooler to be off someplace new
0: yeah right on so tarka sabotages sabotages i like to say it like kirk sabotage <laughs> <laughs> so tarka sabotages the replicators to get everyone out of the spore drive room with steaming bananas <laughs> that's a, wasn't that on lower decks like the steaming bananas coming out of the there's a corn i think that was on lower decks if i'm not mistaken uh, <laughs> uh, then returns to his ship now leeching on the disco he finds tarka kidnapped reno Boom. Yeah. Um,
3: I was disappointed that we just went back to the Spore Drive room. I was expecting, I was thinking that if we're going to sabotage the Discovery's computer and insert a virus into a, ver- a place where you have to be in the special room to do it, it would be that weird computer room where Michael got in the big fight oh, at the end yeah. of last season. That, that's <laughs> supposed to be their server room, but, right?
0: But Brian, you have to traverse like a 100 miles worth of <laughs> of like empty yeah, they space. could have had Tarkin
3: <laughs> book with Spider-Man web shooters swinging through the void and screaming Star Trek fans throwing things at their expensive televisions. That they has. locked
0: it in another dimension after that happened. And so you can't get to you the notice how a,
3: I think this is the first season where we haven't had a single shot of turbo lifts. No, we haven't. Around the roller no, coaster we haven't.
0: I think, I think Disco probably said, okay, people, we get it. We get it. Get
2: it. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> like, good, like, good for them. They, they you heard you us on the Klingon. <laughs> they heard us on that one
0: i mean honestly like i feel like that that area was so big you could probably fit the whole 10c delegation in that whole space <laughs> yeah no Logan that's what Vial. they're gonna do that's where they're gonna host it it's only discovery has a trans-dimensional turbo shaft that can hold the 10c for our negotiations <laughs> <laughs> but well, what, what do you all think uh, how do you think uh reno's gonna complicate uh things or or add to things or what do you think what do you think the play I mean, is with this
2: to me she's a wild card yeah um and, and I, I I can't really kind of guess which is which I like, um, so, so so you think so,
0: she
3: might actually join Team Book and Tarka?
2: Hey, no. <laughs> so she's,
3: well, isn't that what I mean? What sort of wild card do you mean if she's not going to change her?
2: Well, exactly <laughs> exactly what she does, whether she tries to escape, tries to sabotage them, um, you know, uh, it just changes up the dynamics of the two man you know sneak sneak team um you Just
3: know it's so much sarcasm and scoring absolutely them, like, absolutely wills and they forgive up
2: <laughs> yeah that's possible they may not be ready for that dry uh like acidic uh sense of humor
0: uh, our friend pj says this season needs more cowbell <laughs> i agree i, I do agree <laughs> uh um, i think um, she might talk sense into tarka because i feel like they have a very similar dry kind of like very but also very i, I don't know t- uh, reno seems optimistic but in a very I, is the word pragmatic kind of way like she's not like optimistic in an enthusiastic way she's just very like yeah it's gonna be all right because the science said right you know, like you know, like, if, like, you know there, and, there, i know
2: that there is definitely um there, there are those who are, who are not really enjoying tarka's presence if they want to win over audiences like well i guess they their big shot was of course revealing his backstory but having reno pull him around would i, I suspect help help people yeah
0: she's really good i mean tarka and stamets are very similar in a sense like they they have these like they're insanely intelligent they're these crazy mad scientists geniuses uh, uh of course stamets less stamets a, little, a lot more careful he's a family man now and he has a he has a um you know he has a he has a family so he thinks about things a little bit differently but remember when tarka and um initially uh um uh, uh stamets was like opposed to meeting tarka because he never acknowledged his work or anything like that right. but then when they finally got together he was like such a fanboy for right. tarka like tarka kind of won him over I feel like that's going to that's not going to happen with <laughs> with <laughs> with <laughs> Reno and she will truly challenge him like you know what I mean like she won't be wowed by his right. optimism or like his resolve or like his enthusiasm that the tech... I've got She's to like she's it.
2: just going to say something like sh- she's like going to be like so you're just going to let your trauma potentially destroy the whole galaxy.
0: Right. She's right.
2: just going to say it.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's just going to say it as is cuz book hasn't been really doing a good job and I get it like his he's Tarka's totally playing him on an emotional level. He constantly like refers back to the destruction of Quajon and don't worry, you're gonna be saving billions of lives when you do this. You're gonna be a hero. Like you're gonna like this is totally feeding into like Book's damage at the moment. You know, like Book needs to to do something to feel like he can make a difference again and and so like but you know so yeah i think it's an interesting mix during reno in there uh regardless of what they're gonna do she's fantastic i love the scene uh we'll go to the c plot now uh where uh, well two things first rilek asks harai to be more optimistic around other delegates adira talks to reno about the detmer how detmer handles stress Reno tells them to hang out with Detmer and go and get to know her, but don't say I want to be you. Cause that's creepy. <laughs> Adira hangs out with Detmer, Hugh and Michael that he, oh wait, Hugh tells Michael that he's trying to work out his trauma. So yeah, those are the big moments, but going back to the, the earlier part of the C plot. Yeah. So like, you know, those moments where she was talking to, to Adira and like all that advice she was giving, I really liked all that stuff. What do you guys think? It was fine. I, I, I didn't dislike it. I don't know if I, I was, felt like having this sudden
2: obsession with Detmer kind of came out of nowhere, but, but maybe it was there and I
3: wasn't paying attention.
2: I I thought it kind of came out of nowhere. And, and because, um, because we're like, you know, I've been talking about this for a few episodes because they made the scale, the stakes so big this season. I hate to say it, but anytime somebody says something like I'm not feeling great, I feel kind of down about this. I feel, uh, depressed or unmotivated. I'm like, bro, the universe <laughs> the whole ga- the whole galaxy <laughs> is about to get wrecked um and and so it's um I, I like the idea of of her of them kind of having a hero worship for uh Detmer I think that's an I think that's a, a neat idea but it didn't feel organic to me
0: something I noticed about adira is that she's not just awkward she's like I, I don't know how else to say it but like maybe for or her... they okay uh, sorry yeah I keep yeah. doing that uh so yeah. they we'll they get better. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And I actually had it right, and then I don't know why I I reverted. Yeah, (laughs) I goofed goofed up too. That's all right. We correct and (laughs) move on. Yeah, sorry, Adira. Anyways, uh, when Adira is like, Adira's awkwardness seems like to me like so, so painful for them in a weird way like it, it really is something that they want to correct or get out of like but they <laughs> like they don't know how and so i do see that like maybe this will carry on into the next season but i do see like why the the draw like i want to be detmer because it's a complete opposite of adira like detmer doesn't say much when detmer does say something it's always very like spot on and that's it but i do like that detmer kind of sees what's going on and gives Adira, something to relate to by saying, No, It it's rough. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I was having a tough time. And so that, like, I feel like that let Adira go, Oh, oh, you know, my, my, <laughs> this person I want to be like is experiencing the same things as right. me. Right. Basically, know, like...
2: everybody has yeah. imposter syndrome and yeah. stuff like yeah. that.
0: Yeah. I don't know about, does Tarka, does Tarka have imposter syndrome? <laughs> he has, no, he has narcissists. Well, like,
2: you know, uh, this is <laughs> funny though.
0: Narcissist though. My yeah.
2: experience with narcissists is that they are a weird combination of like extreme egocentrism and crushing sort of, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Security? Insecurities, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, so so yeah, he probably does. Um, okay. It's just, uh, you, you don't tend to see it. <laughs> right.
3: Fair enough. Um, you did skip over my, oh. uh, my, 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 favorite of the synopsis. Oh, then so. you
0: read it, sir. Please. Okay.
3: <laughs> so, so book lovingly and longingly
2: spies on Michael. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then returns to his ship. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of, you know, like uh, when um, who um, who told um, uh, was it was it Jet who yeah. told uh, um, Adira not to. Uh, uh, tell detmer uh, i want to be you yeah yeah um so speaking and that's that's creepy speaking yeah. of creepy lo- lovingly spying can be creepy oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. okay so, creepy, so did you guys catch all... though that that nadoya sent that so i think nadoya is playing book a little bit like trying to remind book like what the priority is because remember like nadoya said i'll send you like telemetry so yeah. nadoya purposely sent that his to... telemetry
3: is you can go here and see your girlfriend,
0: <laughs> right? But like also, I think Nadoya is thinking like, let me just remind him what's at stake here. Like you know, like there is there yeah. not you know that there that like what Burnham's trying to do first of all to remind him because like yeah. the whole time what one of the things that I love about the book is that he's in opposition with with um Michael, but he is still a supporter in a weird, weird way. Like he's still right. always he they're always, like in always,
2: opposition, but also in sync
0: sync. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's like a good that I think that was a good play on Nadoya's part is to send that to because she's because even didn't he ask about her? I, I mean, I don't know. There was I, I have to watch the episode again. But like that was the vibe that I was getting is that Nadoye kind of is like, OK, let me just let me add this into the mix yeah. of the. Of the stuff. Um,
3: I did I, I say directors I diss directors at the beginning but the the setup of showing this room where everything's going better and Paul saying we actually I actually feel like we have a chance and then the camera pans through the wall yeah. and there's book looking so broken hearted and just yep. lost and I was just love the way they put that together yep. I, I, agree. I that was my favorite moment in the whole episode was where we pan through that wall and see book and he's just looking so sad and so lost. Well, it's and... it's a it's a it's always an
2: interesting sort of visual friction, uh, yeah. when you have somebody who's like that close physically, but obviously separated by a vast gulf of yeah. sort of uh, ideology or or intent and, and 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 loneliness. Now you know, and like you know, and he cares, but he can't. He's like right there, but he can't be there. You know.
3: Yeah. yeah right yeah. on. I didn't want to skip over my favorite moment. Thank,
0: no, thank <laughs> you, because that's actually, that's one of my favorite moments in the show, too. I was just, you know, I got nerves here, Brian and Dave, but you guys are doing like, such a great job. So, <laughs> like, I'm so worried that, you know, the audience is going to be like, kick that Starfleet boy out the airlock. We <laughs> can't do that because we're coming up on Picard, and they've got to We are, be, it's true, that's coming up next. they got to so find let's, out. Let's give our final thoughts on this episode of Discovery, and audience, did you come up with any Gorn eggs for us? Uh, let us know uh, of any that you might have while we give. our final thoughts brian do you want to go first
3: um i don't know if i have much that i haven't already said i I, I,
0: i'm looking forward
3: to seeing what happens next uh i'm really enjoying discovery uh and um yeah i I would love it if they do get stranded outside the milky way and have to go (laughs) adventure out there though
0: i hadn't even thought of that that's a really interesting and cool idea dave
2: uh, I, I also don't have a ton to say, um, you know, most of my criticisms are kind of the ones that I've had for a while, which is I, I would generally like the episodes to be tightened up a bit. And I almost feel like this, you know, like this episode could have been like combined with the previous one or, 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 you know, like some, some, a little bit of that kind of thing, not literally just squish them together, but you know, I would have, I would have liked it to be a little bit tighter, but I, I I'm generally happy with or interested in where the how the chessboard looks right now. Uh, I'm interested to see what those final moves are gonna be. Uh, I like you know uh, the 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 pairings, and I think it's interesting to have the antagonists uh, of Book and Tarka in a portrayed in a sort of nuanced way. Uh, both of them, you know, essentially at this point, we've always had sympathy, of course, for Book, and Tark at least has some d- level of sympathy, um, and uh, and I want to see, yeah, next episode. I imagine we're going to hopefully get some big 2001 Star Trek motion picture style mind blowing stuff, yes. uh, along with, uh, yeah, seeing how how this plays out for our uh, favorite characters.
0: That would be amazing. Uh, I don't really have anything to say except that um, I was a little bit – I was a little bit like kind of – I felt a little bit uh, worried about Disco and the Disco fandom because uh, Picard dropped on on the same day as this episode. I felt like it was definitely – like the response to Picard is so big that it was kind of like overshadowed Disco. Yeah. Um, But talking to you guys about it this way, I'm like, you know, whenever someone, whenever the Picard hype dies a little bit and people stumble upon this, I think they're gonna enjoy it. You know, like after because I've already watched Picard like six times, I think, and I've only watched, I've only, no, no, it's an exaggeration, but I've watched (laughs) it like at least four times. All right, Scotty. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) How else? else Admitting you have a problem is the first (laughs) step. Yeah, it's true. But uh, but I, but I only watched. Just to be as cool as Detmer is about it. (laughs) It's true. It's, It's true. But I only watched this episode of Disco once, and I usually watch it at least two times, you know, or at least right. three times before got crowded out. So it got crowded out a little bit. But but you know, that being said, I do wish, even though I'm glad Picard is here and I've been waiting for it, and the anticipation is over, this discussion has rekindled my excitement and anticipation for what's going to happen in the finale. You guys came up with some really cool things, and right so. On. I'm excited. I'm excited about Disco. So now now I'm going to have to, like, figure out a way to get, get that extra sleep so I can wake up extra early and just watch <laughs> these things over and over and over again. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, – shall we move on, gentlemen, to the – well, Or should, I say, I guess we should say should we move back in time now to the, <laughs> to the to 25th the 25th century? Yes,
3: this is our first 25th century Star Trek. I yes. mean, aside from
2: some little flash-forward glimpses in the – Happy
3: Bobble New time Year!
0: New
2: life, I saw that noted <laughs> – when they were, I was looking at the memory alpha uh, uh, for, for this episode, and I was like, oh, it was the first one, yeah, or yeah. first notable one.
0: Oh, before we fully move on, there was a Gorneg. Sorry, I asked the audience for eggs, and I didn't go back to that. So uh, my little uh, uh, Magellan, Magellan. Uh, petitions that the Gorneg is the similarity to Sorin and Generations that Arthur mentioned. Oh, Arthur actually mentioned it. Sorry. Uh, so let's see here.
2: I believe that was Tarka being similar to Sorin.
0: Yeah, um, similar to uh, Soren. Uh, so yeah, that's an interesting Gornag. Yeah. I, I, I
3: can segue that nicely into our discussion about Picard, if you let me. Oh. Oh, well, I guess we have to go. Through, we have to do the summary first. No. D- uh, <laughs> and okay. Then I'll well, do my opening thoughts. Okay, okay.
0: Very good. So, so just a reminder that this episode of Picard, uh, called "Star," the Stargazer, was written by Akiva Goldman and Terry Metalis, and it was directed by Doug Ar- Arniokoski. I hope I said his name correctly. And uh, let's go over here to the uh, summary synopsis. So, um, <clears throat> Starfleet must once again call on legendary Jean Luc Card after members of his former crew, Chris Rio, Seven of Nine, Raffi Musiker, and Doctor Agnes Girardi, discover an anomaly in space that threatens the galaxy. Those um,
2: anomalies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you kick off our opening statements, Dave? Uh,
2: let's see. Uh, so you know what was interesting? Oh wait,
0: sorry, it... Brian was going to do it. He has. Oh segway. yeah, yeah, Brian. <laughs> yeah, so right. segue okay, Segway. <laughs> segway. Away, away. Like, away. away give away. us your okay. hero big statement <laughs> we told people it
2: would be a little disorganized
3: yes okay we,
0: we did say that we did say
3: that so i think i think it's not too much of a stretch to say that season one of Picard was kind of a thematic and in some cases literal sequel to the film star trek nemesis is that fairly i mean it's it deals with the romulan culture and what happened to the romulan culture it deals with what happened to data um it deals with uh you know picard uh and 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 continues his story i feel like that's not too much of a stretch to say no not at all actually
0: it's very I, I, i agree with that and i also thought like but also somehow it, it somehow reflected yeah. all good things. But carry yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. Now, this episode,
3: just judging by one episode, um, but also knowing a little bit from the trailer about what's going to happen in the rest of this. And for season two of Picard, feels like it's a thematic sequel to Star Trek Generation, which, of course, brings us back to Soren. But, um, <laughs> nice yes, that's, because that's we have um, Generations is the story where Picard, discovers that Renee is dead in a fire and that his his house, the, the place they grew up that was th- his nephew? Nephew, yes, his nephew. And and that there will be no more Picards and that the line is going to die and that that his chances are up um And and that that he is, he, we see him regretting the choices he made. Time is the fire in which we burn. um And this and... time,
0: time is on our side. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, yes. A little, a little, <laughs> on the nose, a little on the nose. Little on the nose. There's all this talk about whether
3: or not you know. He says the final frontier is time, not space. Right um and uh we interesting we, the nature of unmade choices and choices undo which was also the thing in generations with soren when it you know was was picard going back and reliving alternate versions of his of his past and and kirk doing the same so i mean i don't know if it's going to be super solid but at least i i kept feeling like this was riffing on generations more than anything else as i watched this episode
2: well you know um i know that nemesis in the fandom has a has a kind of a low reputation and arguably was kind of elevated by elements of that first season of Picard uh yeah. generations i think has a better reputation but is not beloved maybe and it'll be interesting to see if this can also reflect that in a way that helps generations shine a little bit
3: yeah so um that was that was one of the big thoughts i had watching um i will also say after seeing some of the trailers i figured i i figured I pretty much exactly knew how this first episode was going to go I I was kind of even a, regretting that I'd watched the trailers because I felt like I, I, I so had mapped out in my head the major plot beats for this first episode um, and I turned out to be almost completely wrong um, there were all sorts of fun ideas that I did not uh, see in the trailers maybe they were out there in the spoilers and the boards and this guy but I didn't know I just watched a couple of the trailers and that was it um so i really enjoyed that that i got to be much more surprised about this episode than i thought i was going to be um and uh i like that they are promising us possibly picard romance that seems to be the big the big un the big thing picard never got to do
2: that they're hinting he might finally get to do this season or find find whatever emptiness he has maybe it's not romance maybe it's some kind of companionship but without romance, I don't know. Well, I I think, I think romance would be the obvious thing.
3: Yeah. Um, And I, I, I think it's, Whatever, the, yeah, whatever unresolved issue he's got, it's blocking the romance. So He you needs know, one of those real
2: dolls. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they have those. They're called
3: holodomans.
0: Instead of Lars and the real doll, it's Jean-Luc and the real doll, the sequel to Lars and the real
2: doll. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a cheesy body pillow with a bad print um, of,
3: uh, of a uh, character better on what it. We ended up at the end with was with, 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 with La- Laris and the real doll. but
4: um... <laughs> it might be
0: Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> Um, do you think? We're,
3: I guess that's a question I had for you guys. Do you think we'll we'll actually get some Picard romance, or have have they? Nope. Laris I, got left behind. The plot is moving on. No, no. no I think
2: we <laughs> will. I mean, you know how it is in these kind of things. If you if you if that's been brought up, wherever they go, there will be a uh uh. What is it, Edith Keeler there or the insurrection babe? Um, you know, somebody will be down there. I feel that I, I need them
3: in front of a car and they'll get run over.
2: Even if she is not, um, in this alternate timeline, although she, she, I guess she would still be there. I need to see Dr. Crusher or I riot. Before okay, this.
0: we're on the same. I I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> we're totally on the same page here. Also, our friend Aaron Harvey, uh, Geek Filter says, "I wonder if when they fix the timeline, if it turns out he's been married to Beverly for years." That gave me goosebumps. Uh, Aaron, oh. thank you. Like that. So you think <laughs> like, that they could actually rechart like, like, some oh stuff? Like, oh like he's I sitting should... down. The end of the the season, he's sitting down at the chateau. He pours his wine. He's sat- so satisfied, and in walks Beverly, and she's like. Honey, <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> all the people at the Star Trek novel publishing company who have just finished
3: rebooting the whole timeline be- to fit with Picard are going to go, What the fuck? we got to do it again? They're <laughs> going to throw all their papers in the air and scream because all the wa- they just did a four-part or three-part novel series to get everything lined up, and then the show goes and reboots
2: it all. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I guess we a- have... I have no idea if, like, the, if whatever they do with the timeline will drastically change anything or whether whatever they see will just change who they are when they return. Presumably.
0: I have some. uh, I have. uh, So I went through the anomaly and was was lucky enough to see episode two. So I'm not going to say anything, Uh, but I just want to say that I'll probably be sitting on my hands a lot during this discussion because I don't want to mess up and give you guys like that. Uh, You are like uh, (laughs) you are like the
2: uh, Enterprise crew and we are um, uh, who's the warp drive guy? I can't say his name. Uh, adventurer, oh, uh, traveler. Oh, uh,
0: Zephram Cochran Zephram Cochrane, <laughs> yes. who's like, uh, who's like, maybe,
2: maybe don't tell him everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you people, you're on some kind of a Star Trek.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you accidentally blab something, I'll be like, well, how do we know he did not invent the thing?
0: <laughs> also, we'll give it
2: a Star Trek Four Pass.
0: <laughs> uh, Aaron Harvey, Geek Filter is Daniels because I've seen three. It's even harder for me. Oh man. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. Some <laughs> folks got lucky enough to see three episodes. I'm so jealous, but at least I only have to wait two weeks. So that's the, so that's the curse of it. Like the, the 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 cool thing is that I got to see two episodes. The curse is I have to wait two long weeks to find out it what is. happens. That's <laughs> so rough. It's, like, it's, it's a little rough, but it's, it's a good curse. I'll take it any time. Um, Dave, did you have any other uh, things to say for your opening statement?
2: Um, you know, when I was watching it, I was thinking that the episode almost at first or early on felt like it could have been a denouement to the first season where it kind of caught you up just on what, what kind of what everybody did afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sort of liked that they actually didn't just stay on a ship, because it's funny, because that's what it looked like at the end of Picard season one, is that they were gonna go off and have adventures as a newly formed crew slash family. And then in yeah. this, they're like, oh, apparently they did that for ten minutes, and then everybody went their separate ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looked like it was about to turn into the A team, but, but no. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm kind of glad that they didn't have that contrivance of Picard just deciding to you know go out there and everybody agreeing, yeah, we all want to go do this because it didn't quite feel like their motivations would do that. Uh, now there is still a contrivance that converges them all on the uh, the Borg. Uh, anomaly uh, in this and i can work with that that's uh that was that was pretty cool um but uh anyway i so it's real quick short version i you know i had a i had quite a good time with this um I, I was not uh, I, the actiony opening made me put me in my uh, it's more of that Kelvin influenced stuff that I'm tired of seeing in uh, on Trek TV, uh, but um, you know I was it was just hard not to be won over by Patrick Stewart by Whoopi Goldberg uh, by seeing uh, John Delancey, Delancey yeah. um, and and seeing all that again and what I thought were actually some pretty measured and nuanced beats especially about his uh, his loneliness. Where it wasn't just like, oh, this is a thing, uh, but the way they talked about it, where he, you know, kind of tried to justify it. And he's like, well, I'm hardly alone, you know, and, you know, he, he um, but was clearly holding something back with Guinan. I thought it was interesting that that thing seems to be some some fear of basically becoming his parents. Um, and I think that that sounded like to me like it was going to be reflective uh, unless that's I think that's a new plot point. Right.
0: Yeah. So, I, mean, and I we get uh, the hint in family I think we get a hint that it was a rough childhood hmm. like uh, because of how Robert's so kind of mean and kind right, of right like but the parents the parents. Yeah yeah but new, they right? kind of
3: imply that robert is his is the son of the father that
0: right
3: and so
2: you get the idea that dad
3: was a bit of a jerk Jerks, too. Yeah. so this
2: was <laughs> w- this will will almost certainly be an expansion on those themes yeah, yeah. but ever, i think everybody probably knows at this point because uh patrick stewart's talked very candidly about yeah. it that he that his there there was domestic abuse in his family his, his father abused his mother and he, he's he, again he spoke very candidly and movingly about it and he's written about it and and I, I wondered if they were bringing that in you know be, you know at his uh, behest uh, in any case I think it's a good thing to explore um, uh, you know we've we've seen captains in their tor- being torn between duty and romance uh, in the past and, and you know uh, I think this adds a Th- that's such a kind of, hard, I think, hard thing to relate to, because it's like the notion of somebody being so devoted to their, especially to a captaincy, is a, I feel like a Horatio Hornblower kind of old school idea. And and so I think having um having that be how he describes it, but not the truth, that the truth is something a lot more personal than having to do with his childhood, perhaps, uh, that is a int- very interesting plot point uh, to hang its hat on. And so that interests me uh, a lot um beyond that i didn't like rio smoking on the bridge <laughs> but we'll talk about that a little bit more later
0: uh, I found but out, otherwise by the way i, I don't know if yeah. you know it's a synthagar it's a synthagar Really? Yeah, it's a synthe They don't say it on the show, but someone's. I, 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 saw, I saw it lighted at yeah. some
2: point, but I never saw any
0: smoke from it. Right, right. So yeah, it's 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 inter- It's weird. This it an odd thing. Like, um, like somebody there is a
2: smoker on the staff because, like, like uh, Rafi. Uh, smoked in the first right, season, right. or vaped. And, yeah, and, she was um, a vapor.
0: She was more of a vapor. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, anyway, but I was just like, I was like, actually very distracted by it while it was going on. I was like, that's just that's no wait. There's secondhand. Don't do that. And then I like, it. I felt like I was missing some plot points here and there. <laughs>
0: That's really funny. I
2: do think that there's
3: probably some future tech involved in keeping the smoke away from everyone else. No doubt. It still was distracting. I still was like, every time they'd show him with that thing in his (laughs) mouth, I'd start thinking about the cigar and not about the episode and not about what anyone was saying. I was like, this was cute once, but I'm getting tired of it. Let's cut back to
2: it when we get to his uh, captaincy of the uh, Stargazer. I did (laughs) want to cite my little Magellan uh, talking about Picard's uh, backstory, says maybe that's why Picard is uncomfortable with children. Yeah, that, works really well. Yeah.
0: I think works so. yeah. really well, yeah.
3: I guess on that
2: point, and, uh Shall we dive I'm, in?
3: Well, I uh, guess... Or, oh, go
2: ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, um, but we still have to hear uh, Starfleet yeah. Boy and whatever he can say, and any, any thoughts you have, Brian. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: have well, thoughts. I
3: guess I wanted... I want to address the uh, domestic violence thing, but I don't know if we can hold off on that for the moment. Yeah, let's wait
0: till we get in. Let's get to that scene on that one. I'll just say real quickly that, like, um, you know, highly anticipated uh, two years uh, between season one and season two. Um, I think you guys know, uh, like, I'm a huge Picard fan. Like, this is, as much as I like the other series, like, this is my series in a way. Like, this is, like, next generation era, but specifically next generation and the next generation films. Like, kind of, like were very important to me uh they they like were monumental in shaping the individual I am like my my like you know my all these things like and Picard like you know I often used all of them not just Picard but the way they all interacted in the in my work environments like I I felt like the the storylines and the interactions and the the resolution of conflicts like helped me so immensely in just real life so so this show these people are so precious and so dear to me so it's very hard to me to for me to be very you know like very objective about the show i just love it you know like um that being said i i thought star trek picard season one was the bee's knees and then i saw this freaking episode and i was like oh my (laughs) god like how like i wasn't expecting it to be leagues uh, you know uh, above uh what i the tone or the vibe and and this just felt so the scale of it just felt so like cinematic but then as earlier as uh as pj pointed out in the chat like there's a very strong uh like visual design language connection and it's because so many folks came back to work on the series Mm. to the tng era that was absent and and i'm okay with that like i didn't mind we weren't in starfleet much we only saw the fleet come in at the end you know and and a few hints here and there in offices on at starfleet command but it was like the thirst for it was there in season one. I wanted mm-hmm. to see the ships. I wanted to see what Starfleet was doing. I wanted to know. And this like answered it, but not not just answered it, but f- like they were just like, here, we're going to give you a tsunami of starfleet like here you go like you're gonna drown in it and you're gonna love it and that's how i Uh, felt like the the
2: stargazer is the visual metaphor for that not two nacelles but four four (laughs) exactly exactly so to to me this was like
0: (laughs) so it was a a little slice of heaven to see this this opener and 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 i feel like it's you know i've i've watched it not six times but at least four times including the the premiere a little slice of the nexus (laughs) a little slice of the nexus I'm i'm using that from <laughs> now on that's amazing <laughs> so yeah i was totally into it and i haven't tired of repeat watching it like I've, i'm gonna after this you know tonight tomorrow i'm gonna watch him and watch it all through the weekend i was just really enjoying it i want to see every little detail i want to pick apart everything i want to like see what i can find i'm just so into it and i haven't felt this oh. way you know in a long time about a, a show
2: over in the comments, I, I think Geek Filter, I uh, made an interesting thought, said season one was too melancholy to me. Like, hey, remember that show TNG? Yeah, me too. Uh, and he's like, now in season two, it's like Return to Star Trek The Next Generation already in progress. Uh, that was, uh, I, I thought that was a nice way of putting
3: it. <laughs> I, I almost found myself pushing back a little in the there was so much kind of. Too many nostalgia. callbacks or nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Callbacks and nostalgia porn for me. Not not so much that I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it, but I did feel like I I might have liked this a little bit better if they'd taken the nostalgia porn from an eight to a seven. You know, I, I think <laughs> Brian, it It's like,
1: a little it's like I don't even
3: know you. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: I, I Discovery is my favorite of the new tracks, That's which true. is probably That's the true. least nostalgia and porn of I'll all s- of this new generation true. of tracks. I'll say this, and I know we, we should jump into the to the specifics the of the episode, yeah. but um, I don't feel that the and, and the nostalgia porn particularly came at the expense. Of the story in this one, that you know these things, you know they. I think they needed to start a little slow and get the emotions on board. They needed to check in with some characters, Um, but it did feel like, like I felt like they had their had a story to tell in this episode. So
0: all right um all right so let's let's jump into said let's story let's dive right in so uh we open with a bang the security team is summoned to the bridge they're bouncing around the walls there's explosions there's like shaking there's uh, you know like uh like security alarms and like uh, you know all kinds of like, chatter going on i added to your i added to your. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> i was worried that i made it too long but
1: apparently it wasn't
0: <laughs> And when they arrive on the bridge they find something is shooting down everyone. Picard is there and orders the self-destruct. Boom, we go to the credits. (laughs) And by the way, a a spectacular new uh, opening credit uh, music. They totally changed the credits and the music was like different too. So yeah, uh, what did you all think of this?
3: I mean, the, I was expecting something weird because almost every episode of season one opened with like a flashback or a dream or something. So I was expecting, oh, here we go, right. a flash forward. And that just felt like, I, I wonder if they're going to do every episode this season's going to start with a flash forward. Um, I, I don't know if I'd like that. I, I kind of got tired of that gimmick back when it became popular in my adventure fiction. Um, Stargate, I remember particularly beating it to death. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, it was, it, was
4: I, I, it did have
3: me wondering why do they have the security stations so far away from the turbo lift? Surely you would want the place where all the security guys are sitting around waiting for a call to be right next to a
2: turbo lift, rather than <laughs> we've got to run down these big long hallways the before. answer, Brian, me. of course, is that it's cool to watch security people run down corridors. <laughs> it just is. You're like, oh man, the shit's going to hit the fan. These guys mean business. Uh, but also... Um, You know, so I was nervous because of this, because like I said, uh, like all all Star Treks like often have uh, cold openings with uh, some sort of action or something bad happens to a ship or a planet and sets the thing in motion. But I was, you know, uh, again, the, the sort of Kelvin style of sort of slightly lunk-headed action (laughs) just has me worried about it i'm cautious about it happening um but i did kind of like the i mean like they had great effects of like the sort of the gravity moving around and pulling them to the wall or maybe that was just a jar of the impact
0: no i think Um, that's what was going on i think there was some stuff like that yeah
2: yeah and the uh that you know the taking the turbo lift and then just like the instant the doors open it's just like all hell breaks loose uh, it's it's a good it's a good cold open. Yeah.
0: I also love that we were seeing it from the perspective of like basically these cadets, sort of like they weren't mm. cadets, but they were like you know like younger, scared. They were scared. Like they really focused in on the on the uh, Vulcan officer especially, and I thought that mm-hmm. was interesting, you know. Like and he was kind of, and I love that he was very Vulcan. He was like, I only know he's Vulcan because Elnor is the first uh, Romulan in Starfleet, so he. It's safe to say that that, that kid was <laughs> yeah. was a, a Vulcan. So, <laughs> but anyways, he's like analy- as he's going through this. Like he's analyzing what's going on like when the tentacle shoots out like next to him and stuff like that and you could you could tell he was very vulcan i loved all that also there was a um andrew hayes in the audience says i think i was hearing a warning alarm that came from tos movies on that cold open scene and it's true that eh, 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 yeah eh, eh, eh. yeah that was totally from, sort of and it, was that, it yeah. still
2: the classic kind of red alert and uh, also graphic. you heard
0: the Boo! and then that yeah the red alert graphic is um, it's a modernization, but it's. I feel like all the shows are now using. I, I mean, it is a cool graphic, but that was the TOS films, like from Star Trek 2. Yeah, motion, you know, picture I mean, made, like, motion picture onward. Motion picture onward. And so I, I so think TNG think motion picture. I think that graphic.
2: I associate it with Star sure. Trek 2, but I thought yeah. it was somewhere in motion, picture, motion and picture. I think
3: it's in motion picture. I'm mm. pretty sure Star I, Trek. II I trust
2: II. your knowledge of motion picture, Brian. Yeah. Um, I,
3: think... I did want to say this about that graphic. Yeah. The one they keep showing is round. And that was made because back in the old bridge from Star Trek's one through uh, one, one, two, and three, they had round screens on all the stations. Mm. So they made a round graphic that would fit that screen, even though I don't know if you ever actually see it on any of those, but... Um, then um, in Star Trek 5 they came up with a square version to fit the square screens in Star Trek 5 and I think I remember they used that, the yeah. graphic again in 6 and it also shows up in the next generation <laughs> in Best of Both Worlds and I think once or twice else so they have a square version but they, Dis- Discovery showed up with the round version when they brought back the new generation and now you only ever see the <laughs> round version even though they're all being shown on square screens. It's iconic, Brian it's iconic. <laughs> it went, but but, but the square one is iconic. It premiered in yeah. Star Trek V, and everyone loves that movie.
0: Ter- Terry Vitalis is listening to this, and he's like, Okay, guys, can you quickly re edit the uh, graphic now so that it's square? And no, I, I, just, by I the it also
3: looked better as the square square. It, it
0: is updated, character. though. They kind of rounded out some of the edges on it, too. And so it is an updated version of it. But I really love it. I mean, it's iconic. It is iconic. I used to have that on my computer wallpaper, like when I was a kid. Like, you know, it's, it's oh, that's something cool. that. But yeah, did you have
3: the round one or the square
2: one?
0: I had the square one. <laughs> I <had> the square <laughs> one. I, uh, jumping back to the,
2: uh, the general bridge chaos, uh, I was amused. In the comments, Geek Filter says, how can it be a ship under attack without flamethrowers? Uh, <laughs> referring to the uh, Star Trek Discovery's inexplicable explosions of fire. Yes. <laughs> uh, I almost but,
3: commented on the flames in the Discovery bar because I just feel, is that what they do with the fire when they're not venting it the <laughs> it's got to the gotta go
2: somewhere energy cannot be created or destroyed <laughs> um all right the, let's let's uh, jump in uh to the episode yeah. why don't we yeah. i guess
3: on the opening credits we see all these hex uh like 12-sided dice uh wells <laughs> uh, <equals laughs> rolling around is, is that the screen.
2: greenhouse is that the greenhouse picard was in
3: uh so that's hex- left
0: it a- it had the, a
2: hex-type structure.
0: Those hex yeah. things are left over from last season when they mm. were... That was to illustrate the fractal neuronic cloning, ah, The uh. what Soji. So, like, you see it starts as one and it splits into two. Um, but, but yeah, so they kept some elements of the credits, like the the, the glass shard falling and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But well, they it seem was to
3: have a, yeah, integrated the glass, breaking glass, into this new plot yeah. line. I was just wondering if these new D12s are actually going to turn out to be <laughs>
0: Omega Molecules. That's what... <laughs> Turn, turn Always the, the omega <laughs> molecules. Well, both the board love omega molecules. They do. That was
3: their holy grail. Maybe Man, uh, on the run from the omega molecules after screwing up with it. That, I'll that tell you explain- what,
0: <laughs> that omega molecule must have captured so many hearts because that's all people talk about is the omega molecule. <laughs> I'm like, dang, <"Hey, laughs> you guys. Like, I, 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 uh, Voyager's a blind spot of mine. I'm only on season five. I didn't give uh, Voyager a fair shake when it came out, so I'm, I'm discovering it now for the first time. No, no, no. Uh,
3: quitting Voyager partway in is a completely fair. <laughs> I, I, there was there was large hunks <laughs> of my life where I kind of like why am I still watching this?
0: But, uh, but uh, I that will... said,
3: the Omega Directive is an awesome episode. It is a good that episode. A great piece see, of it was a
0: great episode, and Seven is what inspired me to go back and watch it. I have to know more about. I, I, that's the reason I went back is seeing Seven <laughs> and Picard. But yeah, so next up after the credits, Picard has a good day harvesting grapes. It's the end of the harvest, the end of the season. Laris puts the moves on Picard, and while tempted he pulls back he says his duty prevents him from ever from ever settling down with someone
2: what we really should understand from this is picard needed the blue pill <laughs> <laughs> he was his eyes kind of looked down like eh. <laughs>
0: Dave, his—he's in a synth body. They fixed all that. They said, yeah, yeah. They said no, like, "No, it's still we, ages." They said, they yeah, said that's true, "Yeah, it's he true." he was they really upset
3: know. when he found that out. Wait a minute, you deliberately no. programmed it.
2: I, I knew that moment when they almost kissed that it wasn't going to happen. But I thought he was—it was, was going to be one of those where like a, a communicator interrupts him, and I hate that. I hate that contrivance. So I was actually quite happy that it was—it was of his volition. He—he he chose not to pursue it. Um yeah and, and I like and That's to think gonna that's, be important thematically, of course,
0: yeah, because it's it's because really he's holding his heart for Beverly, and we all know that and that's why <laughs> he kind of chuckled he kind of chuckled nervously because he was like, oh no, oh no, darling I, I, I kind of <laughs> but, well, like well he's we holding his going... heart,
2: but he's he's afraid that he will I mean, I think this will literally. Quite like probably come to pass, but he's worried that uh you know his internal stresses and temper or whatever is that such that he could one day hit her, yeah. um, and that's why he won't. He's he's never been able to to, to like really pursue. Oh, that's pursue great. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I mean it's dark, but it's great. Like that's. Yeah. True. I mean, yeah, it's, I think yeah. that's
2: that is what I. I, wow. I assume that we are going to continue to return to those childhood images, and we are going to find out that that is why he he cannot. Maintain wow. a relationship is because he associates relationships with the first one he ever saw in his life.
0: Ooh, I got yeah. chills. I got chills. No, uh, I that
3: that chills. is, uh, I think if we were going to go to Beverly, then there would have been like a shot of a picture of Beverly on the fireplace mantel. Or a or Guinan would have alluded to you the un- lost chances with Beverly. We are know, in
2: an era that they like to kind of drop surprises, though, since sometimes it's in or a little inorganic that way, but they do like to do I
3: don't it. think anyone would have blinked if there was a picture of Beverly on Picard's hey, mantelpiece, though. You know after, what? You know, I, they had Brian... the freaking stone from that Deep Space Nine episode. <laughs> they did have that,
0: it's true. Hey, uh-huh. you gotta hide your love away, you know? <laughs> like, sometimes you gotta hide that love away. Actually, I'm that just... would thematically make sense if he is <laughs> yeah. trying Trying <laughs> not
2: to think about her, he doesn't. He doesn't keep up those kind of memorabilia. He, yeah. he, the work is what he tries to make, what he lives yeah. for, even if it's not fully satisfying yeah. to him.
3: Well, no, I, I think you're right on the romance. I'm just not thinking Beverly's where we're headed because I think there would have been some foreshadowing in this, a little hint of that. That's that. There's going to be some Beverly involved in this story, if that. Well. It, it, when we were talking all about it, especially with, Dine. I just feel Dine like could have alluded to Beverly quite, where, easily.
2: however things go. I, I, ex- I feel like that. Uh, and, and I know that, uh, Starfleet boy knows at least, uh, one more episode than I do, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Riker was kind of his presence in the first season was kind of this shot in the arm, a little ways into it. Um, and I feel like, um, uh, Uh, Beverly could be that person as well uh, in this season, uh, in which case it would be better in a way if we kind of stopped thinking about her, got focused on the time travel stuff, whatever is going on and then suddenly, like, she comes in and, like, she comes in, you know, uh, tearing it up in her, you know, spaceship. She's uh, he sees an alternate ver- universe version of her, and his heart breaks because she's this uh, evil dictator version. Or like, I, I think I think that her sudden presence could be like a real energetic yeah. moment in the yeah. series, and that's why I think they might be holding out. Yeah,
3: I'm not saying that she won't show up. I'm just just like last season wasn't about Riker and Troy. I don't think this season's going to be end up being about <laughs> Beverly. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. But, but I, I would love to be wrong. I would love for Beverly to come back and have some sort of romance thing for. I would. That would actually be my preference. I just don't feel after watching this episode that that's where, it, where if are you know me.
2: I'm holding out for Vash, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the that's sexy thing. Tomb Raider girlfriend. We at least have Q. It would actually <laughs> make true. more sense to bring Vash back because
4: <laughs> Vash and
2: Q were a thing. Um, so I, I actually did have a halfway thought of the, of the sort of the uh, of, of uh, the old fan uh, pairing uh, ship of of Q and Picard um just because like i'm like uh th- if they ever wanted to consummate that here's an opportunity to have both cue the antagonist and cue the uh secret person he desires <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, my my little magellan says i saw some exquisite acting from stewart in the episode that reminded me of the TNG, TNG days. And then uh, PJ says Stuart was vibrant. Also, there's yeah. some conversation going on. Uh, Braxton seems to think there is a picture of Beverly and Guinan on Picard's wall. PJ zoomed in on an image of this, but I saw that image in in Guinan's bar, just like Geek Filter uh, yeah. did. So I saw that in I saw that someone zoomed in on in Guinan's bar. She had among her pictures, there was one of Beverly and her, which is from the cast photo they just cut out who do they cut out i forget who's the person i think troy they cut troy out so it's oh. just so but that might be how typical. yeah but that might be say it's a sears photo anyways you remember when they did those weird background like this cloth? yeah yeah weird back, it's like one of those kinds of i need to see him so, turn to the side and staring off into space <laughs> yeah, like, so. with short hands on the shoulders behind
2: him <laughs> yeah yeah um, um, but okay so it's, so it's it's at least yeah. floating around
3: yeah i did think Um, Laris's husband, um, Jabon, Jabon. I thought it was odd that they killed him off, 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 off screen. Did they? I couldn't remember how he
2: died in the previous
3: season. Yeah, he didn't
0: die. He didn't die. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that there was some attack
2: that I'd forgotten or something. There
3: was an attack. There was a perfect opportunity to have him die saving Picard and they don't kill him off. Which makes me feel like they really didn't know exactly what they were doing for season two when they wrote that part of season one, because that would have set up things very nicely for what they wanted what they wanted to do in season two. If Raban had died saving Picard in season mm. one, um, and it would have gotten him out of the way instead of mysteriously dying off screen, was, was the actor
2: uh, just not available? Maybe I, I think they wanted
3: her to be able to hit on Picard, and that would have been weird if the husband was there. They yeah, I, mean, I guess which is, that's true. With mind you, the they can be uh, polyamorous. <laughs> they, the Romulans are, according to uh, the writer, yep. the, the guy who wrote the, the showrunner from of Picard, said they they're, they're, they form trios that's how they romulan marriages work according to his blog entry so it wouldn't have been that weird but maybe it would have been too weird for audiences i don't
2: know sure they had the, trek uh, hasn't crossed that bridge too often like in a in a up you know up close and personal way yeah so um but it would have been fun um I, there,
0: there was that interesting thing too uh that she talked about how romulan's uh, honor the dead their dead lovers by loving more deeply the second the next time I really like that yeah, I thought yeah, that was, was really a cool. uh, neat
2: addition to the Romulan lore which they'd already done yeah. a lot of good stuff with um, but yeah I was into that
0: yeah, and I like their chemistry a lot. The I, That whole opening scene to me was just, like, uh, really delightful. I liked seeing Jean-Luc happy. Like, he was so happy at that harvest. I mean, he's, like, popping grapes in his mouth. He's, like, yeah. he's like, you know, like, he's smiling. He's wearing a freaking fedora and a turtleneck. I mean, he looks great. He's got his record player out <laughs> player in out, the vineyard. There, yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> it's like, I did like the little touch, and I don't know if this was in season one, because we did see the vineyard, and we did see harvest, I think. But I like the little touch of that they beam the grapes off the vine. Like the grapes are just yeah, transported. Yeah, I noticed off the that while well, the thing like, was, was going, cool, yeah. it was
2: it was right as the the sort of okay. picker sort of vehicle or their storage vehicle was going by. It was it was, it was cool. I, I, it was it was a neat way to show how you could have a. Like futuristic automated thing, but that's still allowed for sort of like hands-on inspection and interaction and stuff like that.
0: We got an update from Geek Filter uh, talking about that alert. Uh, so TMP's alert graphic is literally just alert in text, much like graphics in 2001: <laughs> A Space Odyssey. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Nick Mayer must have seen that and said, "Can you uh, can you doll that up a little bit? <laughs> can you can, can you add some things on the side and maybe yeah. things going into it? I don't know. Like yeah, let's yeah. do this.
3: <laughs> i will say nicholas like myers i is, nicholas myers is all about the blinky lights
2: and the movie things so he
3: would just jam that stuff behind every single shot
2: he could. i always remembered it from when i was a kid when yeah, i really same. bonded hard yeah. with star trek 2 and uh like i yeah, was those like,
0: atmospherics are just it's, like it's very yeah, iconic great, in yeah. my head yeah it's true um, also, we have uh, we have a lot of folks like uh, talking about Jaban in the chat. They have to do something with Jaban. This alternate timeline can easily bring him back. It'll be pretty lame to be like, yeah, he died a year and a half ago. Anyways, I per- personally I think you know, yes, it does feel like a hand wavy type of like, oh yeah, Jaban's dead now, but. It doesn't bother me that much. It's not like a big deal. Like I'm like, okay, I, I do love Jabon and I miss him, but I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Let's see where it goes. But yeah, we know we don't know. There's a timey wimey season. Lots of stuff can happen. So Yeah, I have
2: I have no I, I don't have a good sense yet of how much of this world will like you know, it's like mirror universe stuff. How much is it going to reflect our world but be some twisted version of it? And how much is just gonna be different.
0: Maybe you'll have a better sense next week. Possibly, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Probably not. I, I doubt they'll. Is it possible they'll continue to develop it? You think? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so this triggers a flashback. This whole, uh, this whole event of of him and and uh, Laris, uh you know, and her coming on to him. So this triggers a flashback to Picard as a child with his mother. He dreams of exploring, and mom says she's taking him to Paris. She promises they can print. The, she promises they can paint the windows and make a place for the two of them we have flashes of what appears to be um mommy being beaten by picard's dad mommy tells mommy tells Jean-Luc to to look to the stars when his parents fight like to imagine our voices are so distant to look to the stars have you all ever seen the movie um immortal beloved the movie i know this is a a little tangent but the immortal beloved uh the movie about beethoven um Mm -hmm. it's like a bio uh biographical film about beethoven gary oldman plays uh beethoven he gives a stellar performance i highly recommend it you know i
2: i'd I'd heard of that name before but i don't think i even knew what that was that that was what it was about i'd like to Uh, see that
0: yeah genius movie but there's a scene in the movie where the kid uh beethoven as a kid uh uh, runs away from from exactly that his parents yelling and like we find out that the reason he couldn't hear is because his father used to hit him across the head you know on mm. his ear and everything and he runs off and he runs off and he lays down in a pond I'm sorry to give this away it's not a big spoiler go ahead it's also a 20 year old or 30 year old movie so <laughs> he lays down in a pond and the pond is crystal clear and like the water still and it's reflecting the stars and he's floating and it looks like he's floating in the stars mm. and you hear the he get that's how he gets the inspiration for the uh, ninth symphony you know the big choral piece or whatever and mm-hmm. this. This reminded me a lot of that kind of. It gave me vibes of that, like Jean Jean Luc's mom, like encouraging him to escape, to run away. In his mind, at least, you know, look up, look up, dream. Absolutely, like, you know, like, like I and mean, I
2: wouldn't be shocked if that, like, if not, was a direct inspiration was bouncing around in the subconscious of, you know, one of the writers when they
0: kind of came yeah, up I'd love with that. Yeah, you i know, yeah. I feel like Akiva Goldsman definitely might have, should, could have seen that movie or would have liked it. Uh, maybe even Terry Mattel. So yeah, I, I, I'm going to ask them on Twitter. Maybe they'll answer me. Who knows? Uh, the, 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 yeah, that, that, that's, that's not going to be a question a lot of people have asked. You should absolutely do it. So, but, um but uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I,
3: I have a question I want to ask you guys, but I'll let you...
0: Oh, I was just gonna say. Also, the other thing I liked um, about seeing Kid Picard and seeing the this like what is it like the room that they're in? It's like a uh, what did like you call a greenhouse it? Greenhouse or something. A greenhouse, like. yeah, like yeah. this greenhouse set. I think that's where Robert. I think this is gonna come into play a lot because I feel like I get the vibe that that's where Robert and Renee uh, perished. Mm-hmm. Uh, referencing generations, because in the in the future when he's looking at it, like when he picks up the little rose. Um, The little rose stained glass or Um, whatever—it looks like the something happened there and all that—and they didn't bother to repair it. And a lot of people leave things where their family members died as a memorial or something, like you know. So it makes sense that he would have repaired Chateau Picard, but like maybe left this as like a memorial, and he doesn't go into that greenhouse anymore or whatever. And it's like because it maybe it also has other memories for him, like it was his escape, but it's also where his brother and his nephew perished. So there might be some interesting things uh, that they tie into that.
3: I, I will be disappointed if we make it through this season and there's no comment on oh yeah my brother and nephew burned to death in this on this property. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know that that really needs to. If we're going to be doing a delve into Picard's childhood, I feel like that
2: needs to be mentioned at least. Here's the something. thing. Uh, well, I, uh, my little Magellan in the comment says nothing looked burned. Uh, I, it I felt like it felt. I like didn't was... pay close enough attention to really notice. I didn't but, get the impression that it was were thinking, burned, but it certainly had, had all the glass
3: blown out for power. Yeah. In general. Broken.
2: Like unless it's going to be a major story point, they probably don't want to overcomplicate it with plot threads from other Trek outings and movies, unless they really intend to build on directly on it. And 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 you could with this, but I think that they may want to focus on the specific trauma with his parents. And so I can see them not mentioning the other stuff.
0: She does, uh, um, Yvette Picard and Maurice Picard are the name of the parents, by the way. But uh, Yvette mentions that like she kind of has there is some kind of like. Uh, like a line drawn (laughs) haha no pun intended (laughs) because because she's very much like looking after Jean-Luc and she mentions like your brother and your father can toil away in the it it looks like there's a division like yeah you know and and we do see that uh, that Robert was a bully to Jean-Luc You know until family like he he's like i bullied you because you needed it you know like and all that kind of stuff like Mm because maybe robert sees him as very soft and very like whatever you know whatever like robert's probably like you know more like his dad and jean luc is more like mom and you can see that there's this already she kind of has a resentment for her older son you know like and and, you know and so so i think i think i think family The whole family is going to come into play, not just mom and dad. I do think we will. See I would like that to be the like case. That, yeah. I would
2: like there to be moments of downtime that are not just flashbacks, but also him talking about it in the present. Maybe I'd like to see it, him discussing it with any given crew member that has something that, you know, is, is, is that it would be interesting with. Um, so, yeah.
3: Remind me again
2: in the, the the first Traveler
3: episode, they get thrown out into thought defines reality space and Picard sees.
0: Was it his grandmother? Well I don't know so what is maman in French That's how I always I, I always got the impression impression that that was the grandmother but i think maman is like mom i don't know i'm not sure some folks are saying that's his mother some folks are saying that's his grandmother i've heard both my impression as a kid was i forget it was clear
3: in the episode i just couldn't remember my i don't know i have
0: to i have to remember someone in the audience if you if you know let us know but um but i remember i remember thinking as a kid seeing that 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 was the grandmother i didn't think that she was old enough to be picard's mother because like you know, I mean, she seemed very elderly compared to him, whereas like usually there's a, only like a, maybe a 20 year difference. Usually typically I think right about a 20 year difference between, uh, ki- you know, 20, kids. 30, something 20, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. It seemed just a lot a bigger age difference uh, to me, but I'm not sure. I don't know if it's explicitly said I'll have to go and research that. But that's an okay. interesting point. Cool. If it is the mother, though, she had a very French accent uh, <laughs> in in the TNG episode and she has a very British accent in this now well, she was
3: speaking english in the tng episode whereas in picard she's actually speaking french and the translator's handle <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: uh little my little magellan says no it's his mother for certain picard was 59 in that episode so she could be in her 80s i don't i mean i don't know if it's explicitly stated i gotta look it up but yeah i still have my doubts about it but but regardless uh jill uh, sorry uh yeah jill my my little magellan tweeted out earlier that Canon be damned! I love you know I love that the mother has an English accent because it actually would go a long way to explaining why Jean Luc himself has a British accent. So, <laughs> um, like, so yeah, very cool. I was just trying
3: to figure out. I, I my recollection was that it was mom, but I I wasn't hundred percent sure. Um, I can't. I I just want to know if. okay. so we have seen this a version of this woman before. Yes. Um, Yeah. And he admittedly it was pulled from Picard's imagination and not necessarily fact. But um, so I guess I'll I'll be the guy who's going to go there where no doubt lots of people on the Internet already has are we okay with humans having domestic abuse, domestic violence in the 24th century on earth where everything's supposed to be kind of fixed on those issues or at least they
2: you know, each other, deep, they space nine, deep space nine, I think went a good ways towards showing that there's always cracks. Yeah, but did we see any crack quite as much as a man beating a woman? Well, married to on er, that level of crack. (laughs) The um, I, I think the fact that they're you know their family is probably unusual even you know in that future in the sense that they are you know kind of trace back their lineage they clearly like to call out their old world connections and their li- and their family ancestry and so and and i suspect that's not super common uh to have that they, level of connection to it so i think that mention...
3: it, they did mention that they weren't allowed to have a replicator in the house, which is the equivalent right. of not having a microwave. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I
2: think in that sense I think it I think it works. They're a family that's not meant to be quite your average family, and indeed maybe holding on to some things from the past, and this would be a vestige of, you know, the really kind of nasty patriarchal kinda kind of approach.
0: I uh I forgot that we did see Maurice Picard in Tapestry and uh uh, uh, my Little Magellan, Jill, points out that, yeah, he did have a, a an English um, accent, uh, and Boatwreck is saying it was Yvette in TNG, so... That's interesting. I like this comment from uh Aaron. He's dressed like a newsie from 1899. So yeah, <laughs> old school for now even.
3: <laughs> I mean, we could assume that was just in fashion at that point. But...
0: <laughs> they're all dressed like newsies from the <laughs> from, from 1899. Newsy, it's kind of yeah, true. Yeah. I I do want to say that it, it would have been funny if uh if they were like we we don't want replicators, but they actually had a microwave.
1: Yeah yeah
0: no like, that would be great like, mm-hmm. that would be I would absolutely do <laughs> like that, like that they're right. totally accepting of a microwave coffee i'm just do, tr- you know. <laughs> yeah that works that's true okay i'll play the incoming transmission from uh this anomaly that's coming oh, through yeah, here. yeah go for it yeah so here we go
4: i am so sorry i can't be there with you with everyone else but i'm still on my away mission on the star trek cruise which has been a total blast i had so much fun this week i'm sad today's the last day i'll be back in uh, the mainland tomorrow but in the meantime i do want to share with you all my thoughts on Star Trek Picard season two episode one the Stargazer or is it just Stargazer I'm not sure I haven't had time to comb over this episode and analyze it like I normally would do but I'm just gonna give you some general thoughts just off the cuff I fucking loved this episode I thought it was so cool the 25th century world they created that they presented here that feels so much like a continuation of the 24th century we got in the 80s and 90s I loved what they're doing with Rios with Raffi with Soji with Eleanor with Girati with Picard so that was all fantastic and this story that they're saying that with this alternate timeline I'm a little worried because I don't want to leave that you know the stargazer that fleet that academy all of that really cool stuff but I'm very eager to get back to it eventually, and I'm curious what they're actually going to be doing now with Q bringing John Delancey back, using the Borg so prominently. So, yeah, I I loved season one of Picard, but I so far seem to be loving season two even more. Alright, we'll move on to the next point, which is, Laris says she's going to
0: leave Picard because it would be awkward. Picard gives a big speech about the importance of taking chances and seizing the day. Eleanor is acknowledged as the first Romulan in the Academy, and And uh, Picard is Chancellor of Starfleet uh, (laughs) Academy. I can't speak, you guys. Sorry. Chancellor of the Academy, which is also my role, by the way. (laughs) So he meets Commander Raffi. Raffi reveals her relationship with Seven is turbulent. Picard gives Elnor a book written by Spock, and the cadet leaves with Raffi for the Excelsior. The one
2: thing I was going to mention was that um, uh, they they said the first full-blooded Romulan or full, I I think that was something like that, and I was wondering if that was because. In, in I, I don't think it's ever spoken, but Savic is supposed to be what part Romulan, part oh Vulcan. yeah yeah
3: Savic is half Romulan, and then there was that one quarter Romulan that is uncovered, who's claimed to be one quarter Vulcan, uh, in the drumhead yeah, with Admiral yeah. Sadi and okay. she reveals yeah. you oh, are not right. one
2: quarter Vulcan, you are one quarter Romulan. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I guess that's a uh, that's that's a uh, gorneg technically yeah, yeah. there they they they, they they made a point of using those exact words okay yeah, uh, anyway so but I, moving I, on I though felt like
3: yeah they absolutely somebody the continuity nerd went into the script and absolutely rephrased that line so that fans like us would not be
2: screaming yep. and burning down things <laughs> in the
3: streets. you know what
0: burning and burning down things ah! i hate to say it but i thought
2: i thought picard's speech was kind of weak um just I just thought it the like not the
3: greatest speech, but I also felt he's talking about himself. he just doesn't realize it so right <laughs> I mean thematically
2: it made sense, but as like as far as like like the great speeches, I was like, yeah <laughs> um. I did like the
3: the revision of the uniforms. I, I, yeah, I never uniforms quite liked awesome. more of the way they ride. The collars on the uniforms from season one always seem to ride up and just look incredibly uncomfortable. And these <laughs> uniforms actually look like they could be com- reasonably comfortable, as comfortable as any Starfleet uniform. So I like the revision to the uniform. Was that double-breasted coat thing Picard was wearing also supposed to be a uniform? Or did he just put a fancy Starfleet badge uh, of unique design onto his regular old suit that he dug out of his closet. I would think if you're Chancellor of Starfleet Academy, you'd be expected to show up in, in dress uniform, but that didn't quite look like a dress uniform to me, so I was uncertain.
0: Is that what Kovitch's? is? Because there's a design uh connection there uh kovich was like kind of doing stuff with the academy and the cadets he wears a black suit and like a tie and jean-luc was wearing like a a naval kind of like a peacoat <laughs> like you know so like maybe maybe that's like a tradition that jean-luc started as the chancellor of starfleet academy he gets to wear like whatever the hell he wants to
3: <laughs> I mean, this guy is so tied Picard, as he actually says, no, I can't have sex with women. I have duty to fulfill, you know, that you think he'd jump at the chance to put on a dress uniform and strut around in a dress uniform for a day. Well, interestingly, he wears
0: he wears the uniform for the speech. Right. And then he yeah, changes. That's right. Yeah. He it's does. Wear afterwards, a uniform. It's at, he wears the uniform. He leaves without the uniform on, puts on the uniform for the speech and then takes it off. So maybe he's just done with the uniform. He's like, I only okay. want to wear it when I have to. <laughs> like, yeah, <you> know? <laughs> I don't know. Which feels weird
3: given how obsessed he is with Starfleet. But maybe he never got over that. He's still smarting from this year fucking hu- hubris of it all. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> Some things that stood out to me uh, that I have questions about is like, so uh, this is a little later, but it, it 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 um pertains to Raffi. So she's she's like a commander. Uh, Yet when the Excelsior arrives on the scene later on, like she's the one who hails and says, "Hey, Excelsior's here to help out." Like, is there no captain on the Excelsior? Can you know, like, it's a. I mean, in it's. I think. I don't in in
3: modern naval parlance from what i understand a smaller less important
0: vessel can Could have be. a commander oh i like that i made a big hoot about it i was like raffi should be a captain well the positionally <laughs> she
3: probably is called captain by her crew but her right. rank might only be commander um and excelsior is literally 120 years old at this point it is probably quite possibly the longest serving ship in yeah. starfleet history so the longest that's ever been mentioned in canon um as far as uh, yeah continually in service uh and um even if it is it looks like it might be a cadet cr- training ship like uh much like the enterprise in star trek 2 um I, but uh yeah it is a really old 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 ship so it might make sense that they figure that they a commander is is fine for a ship like that especially if it's just got a bunch of cadets and they're not going to check out genesis distress calls genesis related distress calls
0: Oh, here we have some, uh, an, a little update. Um, um, whoops, geek filter. Uh, Aaron says, no, it is a new version, not the same ship that was specially no. stated by Doug Drexler. Okay, um, I mean, so
3: yeah. I I seen some big time ship nerds on YouTube who said they examined it up close and said it's the serial number was the same or something like that, and I was like, okay, I guess they know what they're talking about, but I guess they don't. I I retract the. I don't even statement. know if we okay. could even
0: see the serial number because I tried to look for it too. The, yeah. Now, certainly in the academy scene, like so after so interestingly enough. I after mean, it's the, still an
3: Excelsior class, so class. it's still pretty freaking yeah. old. Like, you which know, I was, hoping it was, gonna be, <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be. I was
0: hoping it was going to be the Obina <laughs> class that we got in lower decks. remember we got that cool oh
3: yeah uh, the the, uh, the Obina not, class. not
0: quite excelsior class they're not quite excelsior i was hoping it was going to be that ship, but it's uh-huh. it's all fine but interestingly right after the speech i found it uh pretty cool that like you know so they're all all the cadets seem to be getting their assignments right away which i thought was like a real interesting and peculiar and it made me think like i think they were like Mustering the fleet already like they already knew about this anomaly out there. So they were just like, oh, let's get the fleet ready or something. It had that vibe of this 2009 Star Trek where like you wouldn't necessarily think they would all be doing it at
2: the same time. Otherwise.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But But again, I don't know if
2: that was just for drama so they could name drop some ships and we could hear the Grissom. For sure. Yeah.
0: I loved Uh, hearing that, like, that, by the way. But, yeah, that's the vibe that I got was, like, it wasn't, like, a at that point, it wasn't like a level 10 anomaly. It was more like, let's just muster the fleet, get everyone on standby. Like, let's get everyone ready. You know, like...
3: Having watched Star Trek, there must be a ship a Starfleet starship encountering a weird spatial anomaly. That was pretty the... much every given day.
0: Day, yeah, it's true. Somewhere
3: in the Feder in, in, in you know, in, in Federation accessible space, some starship has just found an anomaly. You can't muster the whole fleet every day.
0: <laughs> no, but I'm thinking like, so so what happens is like the is the scene where the is the scene where the um what was it the Akira Plus, class
3: doesn't seem to know anything about it. and he's well, watching all these. people Well, that's what go I'm off. saying
0: is like maybe he maybe they're not quite. You know what I mean like. Like they're still in the. I don't know. It just gave me that vibe. But you're right. Those are good points. But um. But when does the scene happen where the uh, Akira class ship gets knocked out when the anomaly first appears? Is it before this or after this? Um. I can't remember off the top of my I, head.
3: I'm having. I'd have to look too. I was well, actually anyways. wanting to look because I wanted to comment on how the ship gets knocked out, the Akira class. But I. I and then I was like, I don't remember when that happened. I forgot to put a note in my <laughs> in my synopsis about that. Well, uh, well, regardless. That... No, wait. Yeah, it's when they oh, find okay. it. So, yeah, it's uh, let's see. It's it's after Picard meets Guinan. That OK,
0: so then it's not even OK. Then I take or back not... the thing about the mustering. the flag, Yeah, but so it, it hadn't even yeah, shown up. It yet. hadn't even shown up yet. So never mind that. Uh, yeah. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> well, um, the only other thing I want to say about this scene is it was very touching to see um, Jean-Luc give Elnor uh, the book from mm. Spock uh also because it ties in very nicely to a role-playing game i'm a part of uh (laughs) so that was really cool cool. i I certainly thought of the dm the gm when i saw that scene i was like hey (laughs) are they eavesdropping on our role plays here?" i was was frustrated
3: they never say the book title but i did manage to like in hd figure read the title so
0: it it was called what was it called the one and the The many and the one the many and the one or something something like that yeah interesting so spock wrote this book and i hope una dr una mccormick writes a version of it and releases it because that sounds like a cool book to have so it's pretty neat Honestly, the
3: the book publishers are kicking themselves that they already did the Spock autobiography because <laughs> they probably just would have called it that. Yeah, it's true. That's <laughs> and a good... <laughs> released a deluxe hardback version that
2: replicated the look of that book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts on this scene before we we move on, guys?
2: Uh, let's see. They did a little bookkeeping, like they revealed that uh, if, if if we're talking about this, that Raffi and uh, Seven were a little bit on the on the rocks or a little complicated. I think it was, yeah, it was complicated. Yeah. <laughs> the um, um, audio
3: drama that I listened to also plays somewhat into that, though it looks like it takes place several months before this. But, uh, but yeah, did. I don't
2: have any strong feelings other than that it was there was a lot of like neat bits of nostalgia in there, and it was cool to hear uh, uh, Sulu's name drop too. Yeah, the
0: USS Hikaru Sulu, that was pretty cool. I, I
2: thought it was odd that you've got the Hikaru Sulu,
3: you have the Grissom. <laughs> like, shouldn't it be the Haikaru Sulu and the Grissom or drop the the from both? It was like almost the same sentence. It was inconsistent. That also, me. Yeah. And
0: typically <laughs> when uh, when talking about starships, I've, I you rarely hear the Enterprise. They usually just say Enterprise, you know, or Excelsior or, you know, like you, you rarely see, hear the the. I'm a of the it. man. You got to have the the it's <laughs> not real star trek if you don't know so, uh... so you're so you're all about the batman should, <laughs> yeah. we, should we also release the star trek is that the next star trek is it the star trek sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um. anyway so uh carrying uh, carrying on uh uh so picard goes to a bar in la to meet with Guinan. she tells him that he never allowed himself to get too intimate with anyone and that he's afraid to explore his own heart because of some unknown event so um unknown
3: to Guinan known to to no I I I didn't uh this scene was
0: so delightful to me I loved seeing Whoopi Goldberg back as Guinan I think she was uh she nailed it um Mm -hmm. I love the bar I'm so jealous of the folks living in LA who get to uh, who get to see? Uh, I like Aaron Harvey saying uh, Enterprise is normally the Enterprise. Well, it's the most famous ship. It's done a lot. It deserves <laughs> it. Uh, but everyone else just gets like their name dropped. But anyways, I love seeing that bar. I'm so jealous of Aaron <laughs> and others who are in LA who get to go to the pop up. They've recreated the. the they've actually mm. taken the set and recreated it at like a pop up, uh, like a restaurant bar place. Then and, and they've wow. uh, and so people are gonna go get to go there and see all these like details up close and personal and. Have a yeah. drink, maybe, and and who knows what else. They're going to have some entertainment and stuff like that. I, I looked at flights. <laughs> I totally oh, wow. looked at... I, that's how crazy I am about Picard. I looked at flights, and I was like, can I make this happen? And uh, no, I can't. Not this season. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. The other thing I really liked was... You know just like the little a few of the things like that she she drinks tea earl grey hot i love the scene where you know she asked him do you want top shelf or hooch and he's like hooch i think you know like it was just like <laughs> like, like like of course he stepped outside like, oh. his world <laughs> world i love that it was on uh, uh no- number 10 forward street um and then so there was she a-
3: picked the address of where to put her bar based entirely on the name of her bar on the enterprise i
0: think guyden has the pull to get that street renamed also oh, just oh. you know you know, like it's possible, I'm not but sure <laughs> if that's less silly or more silly. But... <laughs> <laughs> and then uh <laughs> well well why don't you guys tell tell me more about what you think while I pull up a special thing that Aaron found out uh pointed out on Twitter and I'm gonna share that in a second. But what did you guys think of this scene?
3: Um it was great seeing Guinan again. I noticed she's much more casual and less solemn, less Jedi and
2: more <laughs> drinking buddy. Um and that makes sense, you know, Picard with- or Uh, Picard is more Patrick Stewart now.
3: Yeah, yeah, but Picard is older. Guinan is, statistically speaking, the same age. That was actually uh, one of the—I
2: like both that and, of course, how they handled it with Q, where it was essentially a she chose to age, or at least be that age while she was hanging out with him, uh, to, uh, you know, put him more at ease, to— Put put the put this the fast I, agers at, at ease.
3: I kind of felt that Gynen doing it then undermined it when Q did it later. I was like, you you should have left that for maybe for so Q, but um I and I was also just fine. What I, I, Whoopi Goldberg got old. We get it. She doesn't look that <laughs> much older. I can head it. Let you know. We yeah, don't need to address it directly. But it was great seeing her again, even if she was playing a slightly different version of Gynen than before. Um, but that was fine, you know. They've, they've been they've seen some shit together.
0: <laughs> uh, Eagle-eyed Aaron Harvey uh, was saying for those folks who are asking, uh, because doesn't Janeway say that like part of LA sank yeah. during the uh, Great Hermosa yeah. Earthquake of twenty forty seven? So, <laughs> so he found out like on this little plaque, the 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 historic district of Ford Avenue, it does say Greater Los Angeles area was not destroyed, only damaged during that should be during he corrected it in the caption below damage during the Hermosa quake of 2047 so so There you go. Uh, now we know. I will
3: have to tell my wife because she was like, "Wait a minute! I thought Los Angeles was destroyed." <laughs> <laughs> that was actually lived through in one of my role playing games. They went back in time and got stuck in the Hermosa Quake of '47 and the, uh, had to sit, live
0: through it. <laughs> the other thing, though, for folk folks are saying like, "No, no," she definitely says it was destroyed or sunk into the part of LA sunk into the sea or whatever. In family, uh Jean Luc's friend uh Louis is doing a project where he's trying to raise part of the seabed. Uh, so it's very possible that later on, after 2047, between then and sometime later, uh, they were able to restore Los Angeles uh, back to its uh, previous state. And I can't remember where, but I have some kind of weird memory of either reading it somewhere or or seeing it on one of the Star Trek episodes where they mentioned that Earth was also just restored to a. Someone asked like, why Earth doesn't look so different, you know, like with tectonic movements and all that, and they said that humans got so advanced that they were able to restore Earth to an idyllic looking state like a nostalgic looking state so maybe they also filled in the gash in Florida uh, that was left there did by they leave the that big waterway
3: going through Florida from the uh, from from the Zindi attack did they
0: fill that in? So... I think it's great to have a waterway you could speedboat to Orlando you know like why not like take advantage of it like it's a, it's a good thing but yeah that was interesting uh, we have some funny comments uh, I bet uh, Guinan aged faster from drinking hooch every day says boatwreck, <laughs> so. <laughs> and sorry and brandy uh who knew that was hooch <laughs> so, so yeah I, very I don't cool. know
3: enough about alcohol to really know what hooch is but
0: <laughs> I get the impression moonshine, that hooch is, right? I guess yeah it's I moonshine. it's like another word for moonshine but right weren't they like
3: is a different than a moonshine isn't it or is it not I, I yeah I, but like I there's different
0: levels you, you know you can call something a brandy and it's it's made in like a in like more of a moonshine kind of way rather than like the refined way of making a brandy perhaps like it's not a louis couture's uh in other words but but perhaps you know that's that's what she means or or whatnot but um yeah it was a delightful scene i did think it was very interesting to touch on this uh new thing uh where she says like i like how she was like well i've seen that look before uh he you know there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of like uh, shorthand between them that i'm sure we'll we'll like understand more about later like they have a kind of understanding that we don't quite have yet and i like all that stuff so that was neat
2: i see that in the comments fun will now commence says initially Guyan was not uh acting like gynan she didn't have the gynan talk but when they sat down at the table she was more gynan like which yeah. i i think i think that kind of roughly fit how i how i read it uh and, and you could t- read that as whoopi goldberg kind of getting back into the role or that she's changed a little bit and but like fell into her, uh, you know, I mean, admittedly, she's not, uh, it's it's not specifically a Starfleet bar, is it? No, uh, I think it's just... like, could... yeah, so that'd be a very different vibe that she's probably been living for for a little while now uh, than the uh, than Starfleet ship uh, bartender. I, so I want... no, it kind of makes sense. I know that
3: we're never going to get it, but I want to flash back to Guinan watching Picard's interview from the beginning of season one, <laughs> uh, where he disses Starfleet in front of everyone. I just want to see the look on Guinan's face when that, that interview. went. I I'd love it... to see the look on every of all of the TNG cast
2: face for Jordan. <laughs> what did Geordi? What did Worf? What I think did all of them. I think Guinan won. would be would be happy that he was speaking his mind. I don't think she would have been shocked or anything. Yeah. But she some might. Of the other people.
0: <laughs> She might have widened her eyes a little and been like, oh, he went there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I can see that. <laughs> like, you know, like that kind of thing. They're, Very they're, cool. you,
3: you novel writers, you you get on that and give us a scene where we get to see <laughs> what all the other characters.
0: <laughs> let's get into the let's get into the B plot, guys. So Star, Starfleet finds a Terran space time opening. uh, uh up with you know with the with the um, Akira class that scene. Seven oh nine fights off Raiders and we learn that uh she owns La Serena and is doing mercy missions for the Fenris Rangers. We learn that um that she's uh that has that merged has. Rios. Oh that she has <laughs> merged say. Rios various hollow programs. Uh they discover the anomaly, and then we have the of course the scene where Soji and Gerati are celebrating the lifting of the synth band. Girati reveals that she was uh, cleared of killing Maddox, but then she is called away by Rios and beamed up. We discover Captain Rios commands Starfleet's new USS Stargazer and is going to investigate the Rapture. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> sorry, <you're>... <laughs> I, saw, I said Rapture because I can't read right now. It does say Rapture. I said Rapture, okay. <laughs> but it, it is kind of a Rapture. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> like, But it <I'm> they... <laughs> ends up being one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, it's true. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so awesome, awesome little setup and, and, and excitement. Um, I have to say that I really uh, I'm really intrigued because Soji's the only one left behind, sort of. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm intrigued. Do we think how that the... do we think okay. she's gonna come back? i think so i mean the trailer kind of suggests it right doesn't it like i, I mean, feel like there's like it, scenes in the trailer this,
3: if we're heading into this alternate timeline where stuff started deviating back in the 20th century there's a chance nobody ever built a really good chance nobody ever built soji um so but mm. i mean i guess there's a really good chance none of these other people would be born and somehow they're all born anyway, So
0: well in the scene where <laughs> in the scene after the uh the climax, you know, the the uh, the uh, self destruct. Uh, when Picard shows up in the uh, alternate um, Chateau, uh, there's a, a synth there. It's hard. What's his name? Or something? I forgot what his name is. But anyways, uh, I might be giving away. Yeah,
3: but wasn't once... <laughs> Soji was only built because of the synth that's right fan. That's, so that's right. So yeah, she may she not would... she may she... not
0: exist. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, in the trailer, it seemed to show her scenes of her that we didn't see in this uh, episode. So I feel like there's probably more of Soji to come just based on the trailer. So I don't know. But but I will say that, like, yeah, it's interesting that that she because I also wonder, will she have like if it's, you know, so like, okay, this whole fleet gets, you know, blowed up, right? but there's still it doesn't mean the whole timeline got blown up necessarily so maybe soji finds out maybe we're going to be going back and forth somehow or something i don't yeah, know Yeah, i wasn't sure yeah. um
2: there's just like uh, you know whether that that also like you know whether beverly shows up at some point might you know take into account you know whether we see that that present uh, i just or got not.
0: goosebumps if we go <laughs> i don't think this is gonna happen but if we go back and forth it's the his crew investigating his death in like and the and the the circumstances of the explosion uh. uh and that's what we keep but it's not gonna happen they're not gonna do <laughs> that's just that's just too headcanon that's just too uh fan servicey i think i don't think it's gonna happen but who knows it might happen if it happens i'll go crazy but um,
2: <laughs> um, they could call in a medical forensic ship
0: yeah the pasteur i mean i i would love to see an updated pa- i would love to see an you know pasteur design that would be, be dope cool it would definitely be uh,
3: weird if Picard left Starfleet but Beverly stayed there. <laughs> you
2: know, that, that would be unexpected. I was uh I was uh I, I liked Seven's return scenes, but I was more interested in uh Doctor Gerati's scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh she was just kind of she's a little bit more of a kind of a fun wild card, like seeing her being awkward and drunk and then having to kinda of, I don't know, be a goofball on the on the bridge while still somewhat <laughs> inebriated. Um
0: Geek yeah, Slaughter she was mentioned that. She was great. I'm really gra- I'm really glad that they addressed the whole uh thing like uh, you know, I I I had forgiven Gerardi in season 1. Like I totally picked up on the fact that she was like, you know, brainwashed and 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 like made to be temporarily insane, but there's a a huge segment of of folks that are like no she needs to go to jail it's awful and i'm like where is this coming from star star trek's always been about rehabilitation not imprisonment like there's i don't understand what oh, you're talking it's about it's coming like...
2: from the land of misogyny <laughs> yeah that's um, where it's it, coming from it's exactly. all over the place in, in other <laughs> pop cultural areas i visit like uh, it's even it's even kind of that leads to a line and i think um the this trailer for the next Doctor Strange movie, where the Scarlet Witch is talking to him and she says something like, uh, you, "I break the rules and you know I'm a villain. You break the rules and you you know you're a hero. You're or, a hero, yeah. And um, this is a, this is a very common thing that you know uh, there's some whether consciously or unconsciously a lot of people want women to be punished you know for their transgressions and are more forgiving of a guy.
0: Great great call out Dave you're absolutely right that's that's where it probably comes from so i hope fo- i hope some folks will realize that and like maybe rethink that cuz yeah man like it's very clear in star trek picard that she's nuts because of this mind meld like she's like totally crazy because of it and goes yeah. temporarily insane and so like why are you so hard on this character that's a great call out Dave thank you I, I... I am a glad they
3: touched on it. I I don't think yeah, we yeah, but I spend expected more that. time like, with it. But I am yeah. glad they said, "Oh yeah, we went. I went to trial. They they found and they not
0: you." But of course but, they were going to yeah. acquit you, like you know, like I mean, I I I, I like that they touched on it, but it was unnecessary. I mean, even without it, like I would have assumed she'd be acquitted. You know what I mean? Like I think it would have been safe to assume. And again, we would have say we would have. How many people have like has Worf killed? In the heat right. of passion and like you know, so yeah, I I'm on da- Dave. You like yeah, you touched on something that I that I think I is I mean, true. the number
3: of people Worf have, has killed who are lying on a bio bed, unable to defend themselves um i mean what i guess sort of his well that's a spoiler for um <laughs> yeah but, let's
0: not uh, let's not spoil Romulan that
3: he refuses to give the transfusion to in next oh, generation yeah, and TMG, and, yeah. but but again he doesn't actually kill him he just refuses to go and <laughs> go to sickbay and give a transfusion <laughs> in general um,
2: mind control is a reasonable uh get out of jail yeah. free card yeah 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 no, okay. I, I was fine with how it was um, uh, go ahead I I guess before we move on too much,
3: I wanted to say uh, I loved the recreation of the opening of Star Trek The Next Generation credits where they pull back from Earth and you see the Earth and then the Saturn and Jupiter and, and, and then the nebulas going by and then you see a starship come up. And I was like, oh, wow. And then the space gets ripped open and everything. Oh, uh, you, you know, I, I, I
2: didn't particularly notice that. I'm so I'm so familiar with the various powers of 10 variants. But but I, I I forgot that that's a uh, that's how they do it in uh, TNC. Yeah,
3: yeah yeah. So that was that was absolutely what they were doing, and I was like nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was very surprised at where everyone ended up, like uh, from last season. But I also thought it was very fitting. Like I really I really think, of course, uh, you know. It it made sense. I actually thought Rafi and like my prediction was going to be that Rafi and Seven and Elnor would all be together, like doing Fenris Ranger stuff. I thought that was fitting. So, but I liked that Elnor is joining Starfleet. That was it. Felt cool. you know
2: what felt a little weird. This felt a little bit uh, like military recruitment. Basically, everybody went full on back to Starfleet. <laughs> you know, um, so so yeah. Uh, what's
0: it reminded that? me of a three three people, right? So <laughs> yeah. Elnor. Yeah,
2: and uh, Rios and uh, Rafi all all my with... effectively yeah. yeah
0: Rios Rafi you know they're there there's a there is a justification though i think because rios and rafi and um picard all of them kind of were disgraced a little bit and and left starfleet for for all these reasons so that made sense that when they saved the galaxy that starfleet would like go hey you know what maybe we're a little too hard on you uh you know let's give you that hero's welcome and let's reinstate you into starfleet again i was a little upset that rafi didn't make captain like right away it's you know like i think that like you know like they gave they gave rios a brand spanking new ship you know i'm sure picard had a hand in that like you know like putting him on on uh on stargazer but um yeah i was a little upset that rafi wasn't a captain so you know that like, the audio
3: him... drama kind of apparently has her saying no so uh, whereas rios probably went to captain very quickly after or went to starfleet very quickly after uh the events of season one and thus had a year or so under his belt to get promoted to captain Uh, Rafi apparently kind of continued her lone wolfiness up until significantly Mm. later in those two years that seem to have passed.
0: Um, I like uh, that. It's going to be about two years. So she didn't have as
3: much time to earn promotion points as, uh, so she's probably still at commander and they gave her a ship. It's that's, that's pretty good. It's not like she's got nothing. The command of a ship in Star Trek is generally viewed as a more prestigious accomplishment than being admiral, honestly.
0: Right. um, Well, well, I, Go ahead.
3: Oh, um I and since they didn't say it, I'm assuming that Rios didn't fly out all the way out to the middle of nowhere to pick up Girati, but instead used a subspace transporter. <laughs> <laughs> because we know they have them. So...
2: <laughs> Brian's favorite piece of tech will emerge. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it,
3: it makes way more sense than flying all the way out there to pick, a, pick was, her up at this. Didn't the,
0: don't planet. we see the ship though orbiting that planet though? No. And then no, we don't. Oh, that's really cool. I, I like don't that. Think so oh, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I was
3: watching the second time through because I was like. Did they just – did he fly all the way out there, or did they use
0: – It's weird the assumptions we make. By the way, some folks are speculating that the planet that they were on, that those were the Deltans, but they're in the beta quadrant, and the Deltans are in the alpha quadrant, and they would be on Deltar or Deltan or whatever. And this I thought was like, it was
2: like... formally known from, like, one of the writers or something like that. I know that Memory Alpha, I think, does identify them as Deltans, and there's a oh, credit okay. I saw for something that says, like, handsome Deltan or whatever oh, well, that Jurati yeah. talked to. Well, so maybe that's all that their people are keying off of, um, but – maybe a delton colony i don't i don't know
0: oh good i like that yeah delton colony wow man let me tell you that's gotta be an interesting place.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always jumping. Always jumping.
0: And it looks like uh Jurati's immune to the effects of the Deltons. Like she was able to she was able to stave off his sexiness. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yes. Um anyway, so they get that's uh, so... a lo-
2: that's an extreme level of awkwardness,
0: I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so Gerati and Rio say hi to seven and a signal emerges from the rap from the I keep saying rapture. What's wrong with me? From the rupture, a chorus of voices in numerous languages. languages. Languages asking Picard for help. Starfleet asks Picard to help them investigate the rupture. The Admiral reveals the message, also carries a copy of Article 15, a request to join the United Federation of Planets. Picard departs as Laris arrives to an empty. So
3: I'm thinking at this point, how do they know it's that Picard? It could be Eddie Picard. They are going to get up there. Then, oh, this is not the Picard we wanted. <laughs> come on, it's gotta be Lombard. You're of being,
0: you're being cheeky. You're being cheeky. No, on come on, purpose. how does Starfleet
3: realistically? How does Starfleet know? Oh, they definitely want this guy. Out of he just all the said, on the last Picard, Picard in the whole." Because river. he was Lecutis. <laughs> yes, but they don't know it's the Borg at that point.
0: Yeah, they don't know it's the Borg, but still. You... Be,
3: yeah, if they knew it was the Borg and they're asking for Picard, then okay, yeah, that's that's just Donald drama. They went like, if, if, if
2: the message had gone uh, instead of the ominous we uh, help us, Picard, if it had said help us, Picard, comma, Jean-Luc, it's just not the same. That's all. That's all it was. I, I,
3: mean, I, I don't know if it would have been any less creepy if they'd said Jean-Luc, help us, Jean-Luc Picard. but um, yeah. which would It's have, just short and punchy. Which still probably would have had a lot of Jean-Luc Picards, but at le- there would have been at least uh, you could at least narrow the um, field down to, well, this guy saved the galaxy several times, and none of the other Jean-Lucs have, so probably
2: that one but <laughs> um, uh, hey, so uh, could dog? you could you pull up geek filters comment on Sally Picard <laughs> <laughs> Sally.
1: Sally. There we go. And for
2: those who cannot see this, the quote is, uh, we asked for Sally Picard. Who is this human? Bring us Sally.
0: Comply. Comply. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And then Linda Linda Mark says, there can be only one Picard. That's right. He does say I'm the last Picard. So maybe everybody else in the galaxy has to change their name. Nobody else.
3: Starfleet doesn't know that the Picard show is
0: (laughs) is in mind that they put two and two together as boatwreck is saying and they and they like figured this guy this has got to be the picard they're talking about uh, so- <laughs> mental image. we've
3: brought 500 picards that we could get our hands on quickly all <laughs> out in a starship just in case we don't know which one they want <laughs> um,
0: um so, so yeah they they rush so they rush off uh <laughs> so they rush off uh just a quick note on this scene the admiral who comes to um uh, Tasim is a, uh, a an alumni from TNG. I forgot the character <laughs> she plays again, but she played, I think, like the transporter chief in the episode when Chief right. O'Brien it, they're saying goodbye to Chief O'Brien or something like that. And um, and so she's now a different character. She's not playing the same character. But I think it would have been cool if that character was an admiral. But it's all right. <laughs> it like so, done yeah, that. it's pretty cool. Um, what did What did you all think about Jean luc jumping back into duty and Laris Like you know coming in just just too, a little too late to to see well, him off
3: didn't Laris basically say I, I'm leaving where I, I can't stick around now. It's too awkward. So there was no particular reason for Picard to think she's going to come back. So he's under no obligation to leave a note or even phone her up necessarily. Oh, I didn't
0: read it like that. You know, that's interesting. Cause uh, that's probably what it is. is her coming back uh, from after, after she says goodbye. I read it as like, well, she was going to leave eventually, but what happened was she was like out running errands and she was going to come back home. And so he didn't bother to like, yeah, like, I have to know, go like... watch
3: the leaving scene again. I, I don't remember exactly
0: i do think you're right then. though i do think you might be right that Which maybe does... she changed her mind but now she's kind of stuck with chateau picard again she's like damn the admiral left again now i have to take care of this place yeah. <laughs> i mean i guess there's worse things
2: oh no i'm i'm running I the vineyard yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah i'm running the vineyard i she kind clearly of clearly
2: likes yeah. it so. yeah
0: and i kind of want that gig <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, um i wanted I... her and uh Jumon to inherit the chateau uh in season one i wanted there to be like a little epilogue i assumed he was you know he was gonna give it to them it but yeah it
3: off is, going, there is picard's <laughs> off there smoking a cigar saying i love it when a plan comes together
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit weird them being the servants and stuff like that there's just something a little bit odd about it That like it feels know. aristocratic
0: i feel that the the um optics of it look that way but the actual what it actually is is a partnership or a co-op and i don't think it i don't think that it works that way uh but i do think because he's older there's a natural Sense for the younger uh, members of the team to want to take care of him or look after him, yeah. Uh, And so that's the vibe that I get. It's more of a caretaker vibe than a butler vibe or a a a housemate. And she happened to fall in love with him, which happens often. You know, we see it all the time, Anna Nicole Smith, but uh, (laughs) but you know, or or whatever. (laughs) So, so it it can happen. Um, Shall we carry on to the? Well, I I did have one other thing. Yeah, Yeah, please. At
3: this point in the show, like I said, almost every that happened in this episode was not what I was expecting, even having seen on the trailer, which I felt was kind of spoilery. The tra- I was like, oh, this is all completely different. At this point, I'm like, well, I know Q shows up. Is it the Q asking for, for to join the Federation? So mm-hmm. that's that's what I was actually leaning on as we went forward from this point was the Q are ca- uh, and of course they'd ask for Picard if they wanted to join the Federation. They'd start with Picard. Cisco would punch them in the face. So, you know, it's got to be and Vash doesn't have any authority. So of course you'd ask for Picard if you were the cute continuum wanting to join the federation but that's, um that's true but uh, i i was completely wrong but i was just <laughs> I, I thought that would have been an interesting direction to go there's some wild uh,
0: theories when we get to that part that i'll i'll share that i've seen that are interesting but uh, uh aaron points out yes in the comic books uh laris and Javon had a romulan wine vineyard so that was their profession so they know yeah, that's a thing right. or two. yeah they know a thing or two and earlier um uh there's an interesting point that fun Will commence uh saying is they made the cast work in pairs for the most part the actors have discussed this interview i imagine that's like part of the uh COVID pro- uh protocols and stuff like that so um <laughs> so anyways so uh any other thoughts on this scene uh, no the borg say they are sending their queen to negotiate. Oh, so the Borg emerge. They say they're sending the queen to no- negotiate. The Borg break down the shields and beam a strangely garbed queen to the bridge where she asks to negotiate and begins assimilating the ship. To co- She says, we want peace, but first power. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, assimilating the ship's computer and power systems. This leads up to the opening of the episode. Uh, the queen stuns everyone who attacks her and begins remote infecting the computers of all the other ships in the task force picard sets the stargazer for self-destruct and he hears his mother oh he also hears edith piaf singing that wonderful french song no rien, no rien," <laughs> and then he and then he hears his mother uh, sorry and uh, picard sets the uh, stargazer self-destruct and he hears his mother telling him to look up Picard finds himself in well we'll talk about that in a second but anyways so yeah and then boom the 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 fleet's destroyed we fade to white uh before we talk about the next scene where he ends up how awesome was that sequence to me i was just very impressed with You're talking about the
2: infiltration of the bridge
0: everything yeah the whole the whole shebang the fleet showing up like the the anomaly the protocol the the yonik uh, Borg ship uh, in its full glory entering, you know, through through the anomaly, like, this new kind of Borg ship, like, you know, just I think all my, of it, yeah.
2: My only complaint about it was that, um, I felt like Star Starfleet really needs to work on not having uh, prefix code issues. <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't just be able to take over a ship from somebody else's ship. They, it seems they, like a flaw.
0: <laughs> they do say in that scene. By the way, we see a new shuttle too uh, in that scene. Uh, the whole the scene uh, working up to that. Uh, Picard and uh, Seven are walking through the bridge, and she notes that there's Borg technology in uh, this ship. So it must have been easier for the the Borg Queen to take over. Now, right. I heard some folks are saying, we're not sure that this is the Borg at all, even though it's a Borg ship or a Borg style mm. ship, because the apparently the subtitles call say Legion when, when the Borg Queen is starting. Is that like some way to refer to it? I did see them? that in yeah. the
2: subtitles. I think I looked up, I think I Googled Borg and Legion, and I got a, an entry on Memory Alpha that I didn't look at closely, but it seemed to indicate that that was maybe just refer like the collective term for the Borg. Um, I don't know. I played Mass Effect and there's a character named Legion, so I got confused based on that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's clearly it's, a Mass Effect crossover. I don't yes. know why anyone would argue differently. Well
0: uh, if it I'm assuming it's the Borg for now, and if it is the Borg, I loved this reintroduction of the Borg. I loved like the new design of the ship and I especially enjoyed uh the queen in the iron mask you know with a cape and like a fr- and just like scary fencing mask or whatever you know like with the gears switching and i enjoyed some of the interesting differences and in, you know like i love Girardi says like well this is different but she stuns everyone she's not killing anyone what's what's that all about she's not she wants to take this fleet for something there's some kind of urgency time is run your time is running out so again not knowing anything it's kind of crazy this is totally unexpected behavior from the borg it's not like their mo at all it's very different i'm very intrigued it was an awesome awesome awesome
3: (laughs) i mean the big question of this scene is the borg actually wanting to join the federation and just has absolutely terrible social skills (laughs) Well, I like to and, say and, and the way don't they don't understand boundaries. Like maybe they're they, they used all their power up getting through the hole, oh. and they just are like, Oh, well, I'm just gonna drain some of your power to recharge my systems before all my drones start dying. And no, I'm not gonna bother asking permission. I'm bored. We don't really know how that we don't do that. And and so they just have terrible social skills, and that's why they're setting for stun, <laughs> is they are vaguely aware on some level that humans get cranky when you kill a bunch of their people. So <laughs> or I mean like I guess they. it's possible for
2: (laughs) both things to be true at once they they do want to join the federation and they're also uh but because of the way they think they're just like we need to directly control this fleet and do something with it uh, and uh and and obviously you know then they'll then they can admit us. <laughs> or
3: whatever. Yeah, and I mean, remember the binars who couldn't accept. That's the exactly baby actually baby what I baby. thought of. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Who, who decide who who live by that? It's better to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission and get, <laughs> yep. and get told no when they stole the enterprise. Um, I, I felt like, is that where we're going with this? And is that what we're going to end up leaping forward to finally when when all of this plays out after all the timey wimey stuff? uh that that happens goes on is that picard's going to be back in this moment but this time he's going to say no no we have to trust them and give them the power they need they're that was, not actually that would be very consistent
0: that, was, that would be a very consistent tng type of thing especially like a like a, a time travel event that teaches you something along the way that makes you do things differently the next time you're faced with that yeah that's i, I think yeah. that's interesting i see um, some of that in there uh yeah. any thoughts dave on on this sequence
2: um let's see um uh, I, I like the sequence, but I, I think I was, I, I was a little, it's those action-adventury things. Like, I thought it was a little bit, uh, like, them showing up all at once with the fleet is such a kind of cinematic moment. I assumed um, that was like
3: three days later, all these – the fleet is amassed, and then we continue the story. I mean, you see
2: but, them warping in, I guess. It felt like they were all hitting kind of about the same Yeah, but time. they kind of have a
3: commercial break, so if you want, you can assume <laughs> I, there was a few days I guess that's true. got there. But uh, I, don't
0: <laughs> I, like that, I don't know if that – I don't know if that – I don't think it was maybe. a few days, but maybe a few – hours <laughs> like, yeah,
3: like... I mean, maybe this is 25th century Starfleet maybe they all do warp 13 now so they
0: well I mean trigger. so you said two years past soji could have given the secret of the conduits like she did to Rios you know the board conduits could be coming into play as well Starfleet yeah. could have like a more advanced propulsion system you know they might be using yeah. slipstream a little you know there's there's a lot of things that could be going on you know I mean we have protostar we have like uh, you know all of this is kind of coalescing I feel like like uh Picard and Lower Decks and um, uh, Prodigy are kind of all in the same neighborhood, and there's, like, a lot of reveals from each show that I feel like are going to kind of maybe yeah. could be useful. Maybe they least, all have yeah. Protostar drives. star drives or something. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, It'd, yeah, it'd be exactly. cool
2: if they were to call some of that out. I kind of don't expect them to, but, um you know, we're, we are in a different era right now, and it'd, it'd be neat to see a little bit of conceptual crossover. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about Q, guys. Well, I just want to say <laughs> oh, one other yeah, thing. Yeah, one more thing. Go ahead.
2: Do we think the Borg... Why are the Borg
3: asking for Federation membership? And does it have to do with Species 8472? Alright.
0: So. Oh. Are we gonna go there that's interesting that's just interesting. That i just met the them recently one. too so i know what you're talking about fluidic space and all that Ooh. yeah yeah you, you <laughs> met species
2: 8472
0: yeah huh? on, on my voyager watch i'm only on season ah, five <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what i meant by you're like oh Inter are So-Hale's. you familiar with species <laughs> yeah I,
2: I am actually a little bit behind um sohail in in watching voyager um, but but it will be for like years to come. I'll, who knows when I'll get around <laughs> to it? But yes, I remember these guys just beat the ass of the Borg. Yeah. Yeah, and, kind and of necessitated had a, a, a an unusual partnership, I think, between the uh, Starfleet and the Borg, right? Yes,
3: like the, the the other time that the Borg asked Starfleet for help was before seven two. So two, you know, two wild impressive. theories
0: that I saw was one: the QR assimilated; the Continuum somehow got assimilated, mm. and so that's an interesting idea. God-like assimilation, yeah, yeah. And then the other interesting idea I heard was that um, that is. Uh, Likely seven of nine and it would be interesting because she's so against them joining the Federation earlier Mm. She's just like she first asked question later So what if she's and like, you know, because I mean it is a masked figure we don't see the face, you know like so so like there's a there's a possibility that that could be Although it's seven of
2: nine from the fascist universe
0: or or just from the future I mean like they did say it's temporal so yeah. maybe maybe it's from Seven from the future, though, you know. it's
3: hard to excuse the terrible social skills if it's Seven R Seven because R right. Seven has spent time with humans and know that humans get well, really cranky. Well, if remember, you bust there's onto the, their bridge there's and this, hijack their ship.
0: <laughs> there's two things at play. There's this time urgency, and then also she if she's remember when she hooked into the Borg ship part of seven left and and it had to be given back. Like there was some sort of queen porto- protocol that takes over and she's like, well, there's more for Annika to do is what the entity or the, the, the queen version of, of seven says, she says, uh, he says, are you going to assimilate me now or something like that? And then she says, there's more for Annika to do and then disconnects. And mm-hmm. that's when, when, you know, in season one. So I have a feeling when you become, if the Borg queen, if you're designated, rather, I think that's how it works. If you're designated the Borg queen or that central node, you your personality and all that gets taken over by the prime directive of the Borg, whatever that might be. So she may not be able Absolutely. to control yeah. herself. Yeah. So, so that was interesting. So those were the kind of wild theories uh that were there but i just liked the whole tentacle cthulhu weird you know (laughs) vibe that was going on it was it was just like pretty cool i liked it i liked all that imagery and and it it was weird how they kept it was cool how they kept her blurred in the background and she's doing all her stuff while the action's going on and you didn't get a great look at her until that close-up of the mask changing and stuff it was neat so shall we talk about q Yep, let's and wrap do it. it up. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll just say uh, here it says Picard finds himself in an alternate version of his home in France, and Q appears, Mon Capitaine. <laughs> I loved the appearance of Q. I loved that they had him DH uh, to be the the Q as we last remembered him, more or less. Very neat how they uh, did that. Very neat how they did that. And I have to say, it was the best version of that I've seen. Like it's better than Luke Skywalker. The lips moved very well, naturally. They did it so
2: quickly, I think, and that was the smart thing is they that, didn't give yeah. it enough time to fail
0: yes yes exactly and it looked great i love the updated uh uh you know q flash it had like some interesting like little things going on in it and yeah and just cute like that was i think because i (laughs) would
2: seen somebody uh uh talk about this uh but like in like in some like just a screenshot from it like weeks or months ago uh, they're like, oh, they're like, Q's daddy now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like that uh, that whatever uh, anybody who ships him and Picard, whether or not anything happens on the show, very unlikely, uh, the fanfic it just got like a new rejuvenation. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, it is funny that um, something like a phrase like Mon Capitan should be like this iconic thing where everybody sees it and they're like, yes, um, and and you know, I I used to not like q and i took tu- I-, I took him in the same vein as sort of pests in the comics like in superman <laughs> comics mr mixes pitalik oh, yeah. and uh, or batman over in batman these like very powerful little imps or whatever who are just kind of there to give plot ideas to very powerful characters um and and i didn't used to like him. i, I warmed to it like i did so many tng things over time and so I w- i was very excited to see him again i actually really liked it
0: yeah how do you guys think he's gonna come into play I don't really I hadn't I, I haven't done much speculative thinking on
2: this. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, right. he, he said the what the the path not taken, right? The Is road.
0: That... Not, yeah. Welcome to the road, not taken. Or something That makes like it sound that, yeah. like
2: it's personal to him, the past mm-hmm. that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know what the road not taken would be other than the uh, Picard dying from being stabbed in the lung. Uh, this those... is
0: where I'm being a little uh, naughty because I know you know. I'm some just, stuff, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna. I just want to see what you guys. Yeah, of this I, I'm thing, afraid so like... I don't have any good <laughs> predictions to make because
2: I haven't thought much on it. No. Brian, I I guess just from a dramatic point of
3: view, I think it'd be more interesting if Q needs Picard as opposed to he's just decided to help Picard or he's just decided to harass Picard that, that Q needs something. I don't yeah, know if that's I, I do think if it, There's
2: no real evidence of that at this point, but If it was I, just him being puckish again. I admit I'd be disappointed. Yes. He's got to have, there's got to be something a little bit bigger about it. He's dying. The Q have been absorbed by the Borg. You know, one of those things, something is happening. He's got, maybe he's got to put Picard through his paces to get him somewhere so that he understands the scope of the, problem uh and so he's not going to give away all of that stuff immediately but whatever it is needs to be more than just fucking around
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah if q ha- if there are stakes for q it becomes a lot more interesting if there are no stakes for q for nothing for him to lose then it's not uh not as interesting so i guess that would be my only real comment about what i would like to see from q is that some sort of stakes so this matter it's not just him as you say being puckish now um,
2: starfleet boy if you'll just go ahead and reveal all <laughs> OK, so I, so... Still a warning, here's the next episode. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I'm going to sit on my hands, as I said, so I'm not going to participate in this part because I, I know too much and I know I'll slip, but I well, it'll be say... exciting to see that next episode
2: <laughs> and then talk to you maybe a little bit next episode when we talk about it. And, and you can say, you know, what was most difficult to keep secret or uh,
0: I will, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. That's cool. I will just say that uh, the what you guys were talking about just now though inspired me a little bit. It doesn't have anything to do with the next episode, but it reminded me of like when you said about Q coming back with stakes. You know, like having some stakes and like you know needing Picard. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit about, like, the whole arc of Q and Picard in a way, because in TNG, like, he really startles Q in that scene when he's like, how, like, you know, when he quotes Shakespeare, and he's like, what you're really afraid of, Q, is that we're going to become you one day. Mm-hmm. And then in by the end, in in, uh, in All Good Things, Q's, like, literally saying, Picard, for just a moment, you didn't, you weren't just a human, a petty little being and, and you figured it out. You figured out what was going on. You like transcended and that may have been the first step in that. So I wonder if that'll come into play. Mm. That's like an interesting thought that you guys put into there is like, what's going on in the continuum? Will we know or will we find out? These are interesting things.
2: Maybe synthetic Picard is going to uh, hyper evolve.
0: Interestingly. Yeah. Interesting. Or or that's maybe how Soji comes into play. Who knows? Uh Let's give some final thoughts because we've kept the audience here for three hours and you guys have stuck with us. So thank you so much. Like <laughs> that's, that's been really awesome. Uh, Brian, why don't you go first with your final
3: thoughts uh, on this? I am going to echo my final thought that I've been saving is the one that Michael Stepniak has also pointed oh. out. Why does nobody, Captain Rios keeps telling his men to not? Sh- to stop firing and they keep on shooting yeah. making him one of the lamer her- main character captains in the history of it's, star trek if it's kirk, kirk says stop firing you can be pretty sure everyone's gonna stop
0: but, it's because he but smokes cigars Rio on the bridge it, and they don't respect him uh, <laughs> Yeah, those
3: guys are like, we're
2: always getting his his secondhand smoke. We're going to keep shooting. Fuck him. Yeah, I guess. I, I would Actually, like, I think like earlier on times and they make it
3: very clear that nobody gives any fucks about what the captain's orders are. In that
2: scene. I would <laughs> not take uh, but see, uh, well, I, I don't know how like tug and cheek you're being but I assume, like because they showed him being pretty effective in his own command way earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that was just purely a dramatic device because like she kept shooting and they got panicked and kept shooting. But like, I don't think we're supposed to infer from it. He's a bad captain i think he was probably supposed to be confident in his own slightly unorthodox style
0: and it did and it there was a lot going there was a lot of chaos on the bridge It, it is possible that like they're not like they couldn't hear him <laughs> or they're just not listening they're, like they're so focused on like trying not to get killed or and they're and the borg do strike fear into people's hearts and i feel like that would make you a little crazy and and i have to say this borg was pretty menacing like you know like if i saw that masked figure with tentacles like you know like, well, she beamed was, like, right onto the bridge yeah, they already yeah, knew that like, there was like extreme yeah. levels of power stop <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, like he, has, he, he hasn't I developed he that has command.
3: Put enough points in leadership. Yeah, yet,
0: he has. He hasn't month. developed that one. That one way. That, that that yell or that like you know that scream that Jean Luc does. A line does, must like, be drawn yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like so that that's what it is, right. I see that uh, Andrew
2: Hayes says the new ship smell is gone due to his cigars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> you need a little pine tree hanging by the Mont Viewer. They <laughs> have to vent it uh, every every day. <laughs> I, I, I honestly. I, I don't think I have anything else, yeah, else to, say to say other than I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by the mystery that they've presented uh, like and seeing all the characters again um, I, I guess I kind of hope that we'll continue to see the present of the 25th century so that we can revisit Guinan uh, at some point I, I don't want her to just be there for that first scene but if she is that's okay but um but I'd kind of like to see her again I'd like to see maybe she could end up uh talking talking to Beverly talking I don't know who knows
0: yeah absolutely and, they did uh, they
2: did hit the ground running yeah they there. hit the
0: ground running it was it was pretty spectacular is I guess the way right. to put it so live long and prosper y'all and uh we'll see you next week Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek and follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our
3: videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.